to Pinder and Steinberg. Calgary Sports Talk in the afternoon. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You know, Calgary radio legend, Canadian radio legend Bob Steele also always used to do this thing when he was on CJ. And when he was doing the drive on CJ, he would uh, always on Fridays come on and just uh, say, it's Friday, but yell it and carry the Friday for about uh, 25 seconds going into a Van Halen song or something like that. And right as he would finish saying Friday, then all of a sudden the words would hit. It's called hitting a post. Um, it doesn't really feel like that today, though. Like, Pinder, it's a Friday that feels like a Thursday that felt like a Wednesday that kind of feels like a Monday. Like, they all just kind of blend together when there's no sports and you're not going out and you're staying in. Like, the only difference between today and tomorrow is going to be that I don't talk to you for four hours tomorrow. It's uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a strange routine that we're all falling into right now, isn't it? Uh, are you uh, an aficionado of The Big Lebowski, one of my favorite movies of all time? Am I an aficionado? No. May I get your reference potentially? So the whole event that sets the movie into action is that the big Lebowski is confused or the, the main character is confused for a millionaire with the same name. So when the dude meets the big Lebowski, uh, they have a chat in his office and the millionaire Lebowski says, you don't go out looking for a job dressed like this on a weekday. And the dude says, is this a week? Uh, what day is this? And that kind of feels like uh, the pandemic as a whole. Yep. What is this? Good a reference. What day is this? So that, um, yeah, that's that's where we're at, man. And I, I still watch that movie. That's on my list to do. We got to get into our pandemic time killers, uh, which I believe is becoming about a third of the show. But um, I dove into Tiger King last night. We need to talk about that. It's a very important conversation we have to have. All the memes on the internet make sense now, uh, and I, I've been enjoying some of the the classic uh, sports reruns. I believe. They have a Marca Estrada near perfect game and a Josh Donaldson diving into the seats currently on the air on Sportsnet West, or maybe it just wrapped up. So lots of good stuff. They uh, had game six between Vancouver Calgary from the 2015 playoffs last night. Uh, sat down and watched a good chunk of that. I caught, I picked it up at three, two. Uh, so if and you that remember was the goal, right? Uh, where they went at home. That was the staging goal in the third period. Yeah. Canucks had a three, nothing lead in that game. Uh, they gave it up. Flames came all the way back, tied the game at three. Then Lucas Spiza would score through a crowd and get it past Kari Ramo to make it 4-3. And then Flames tie it in the third period. And then the stage and goal would make it 5-4 late in the third before a couple of empty netters. The final score ended up being 7-4 in favor of the Flames that night. So that game was on last night. Watched a good chunk of that. Um, but you gotta, you're burying the lead here. Let's let you got to give me the premise of the Tiger King. Uh, I read a little bit of the premise today while I was browsing through my daily mail on Snapchat. So huh. Tiger King is, is all the rage. Everybody in quarantine's watching it. Tell yeah. us a little bit more without spoiling it. Give us the premise. And it's a true story, okay. so you can't really spoil it all that much. Well, it's very early. The only thing you'd be spoiling is that no one's heard of this story unless they've watched it. No one was like following this in the news in this part of the world. Essentially... Uh, there's an incredible, just an incredibly unique and crazy man named Joe Exotic, who has a local private zoo where he's got over 200 big cats 
So he has baby tigers or, that he raises and turn and they're huge and feeds them all. And it's like a zoo and he is our central character. And the villain would be a lady who runs a big cat sanctuary. Who's trying to shut down mm-hmm. all of the, uh, the private big cat zoos. And then there's kind of a tertiary character, another guy, not unlike Joe exotic, but very normal and polished and not looking like Joe dirt, which Joe exotic definitely resembles. Um, and it, it's, it's a lovely blow of redneck um, animals. And while there's, there's some, uh, don't want to spoil anything. There's some very illegal activity that goes on and uh, some action that falls. So I watched episode one last night. We need to get you up. How many episodes are there? I think there's seven or eight. Uh, So it's, um, I guess mini series might be the way to do it. And I think the, the document, uh, who, who the the director the person who put together was the the way he uh, frames it is he was at a hole in the wall in Florida co- covering someone selling snakes that were wa- very you know dangerous venomous snakes and the, a man walks in and buys a snake and says you should see what I have in the back of my car and it's Joe Exotic and in the back of his car is a Siberian snow leopard and it's like oh. This is way more interesting than filming people selling snakes. I got to follow this guy and see what's up. And sure enough, he follows him for five years and the circus that ensues. Uh, I mean, it's just incredible cameras were there. It's amazing stuff. And yeah, it's the, uh, here's, here's all I know in, about it. I am going to start. I'm going to start watching it this weekend uh, because I'll have the time. Um, but the synopsis, basically what I know about it is is kind of what you told me. This Joe Exotic guy who's married to two other dudes. I, I learned that <laughs> um, in the Daily Mail article. And I, I kind of know what the end result is because it kind of gave you the actual real-life history of it. I won't... Um, yeah. And I won't don't spoil it on show. here, but I also know how the actual real-life story ends. Yeah. So they, they open the show with an immediate acknowledgement of that. It's not like you have to get to the final episode to okay. get that newsy item. It's right out of the gate. And so then from there, they go back to, okay, four years ago, here's what was happening. And they meet Joe exotic. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's wild. <laughs> it's, it's kind of trashy and amazing, uh, but well done. And, uh, not boring. It's definitely going to be a pandemic, uh, you know, I guess, what would you call it? Well-binged Netflix episode. Everybody's watching it. I was on a uh, conference call, which uh, we'll hear part of a little bit later on in the show today, but was on a conference call today with four captains in the Pacific Division. They did. It's my first time ever using this Zoom thing that everybody's using now. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Like Howard Stern was using this to do the show from home over the last little bit. Where they've got you can have all the different camera angles and you can put camera on here and uh, so they had four guys they had Mark Giordano Oliver Ekman Larson Connor McDavid and Bo Horvat they were the four guys on this conference call today and Ekman Larson asked he's like I I haven't really been watching much TV I've been watching some Swedish shows but if anybody has some good recommendations for English shows pass them along and all three of the other guys said you got to watch this Tiger King and Gio was the most <laughs> passionate about the Tiger King he kind of gave you the gave the same um, same answer that you gave about kind of trashy, really fascinating, totally bizarre, and you can't turn away. It's like a train wreck. So uh, definitely going to dive into it. Um, dive into it 
sometime this weekend. Just got a text from the one and only Kelly Rudy, uh, who says he just <laughs> finished Tiger King last night. Like everybody's watching it, right? Everybody yeah. is watching the Tiger King. So I need to get on board here. Yeah, well, it's uh, I feel like it's it's the in vogue stream right now in terms of what people are getting caught up with and i'm surprised it took me till last night but uh let's make a promise let's you you keep me abreast where you're at i'll do the same with you and if we can be at the same spot by monday we can then at least uh no one's going to be ahead of the other we can't spoiler alert each other and, and maybe we both binge watch the thing and it's done or at least if you do just tell me okay i will i will keep you abreast i will let you know um Speaking of that conference call I was on today, a yeah, couple of that? other notes. Again, we'll hear it. It was it was interesting. I mean, look, you got four guys who are in the midst of a playoff race. All four of the captains of these teams would like nothing more than to be playing hockey right now. Um, but I, I, there were a couple. There were a couple of takeaways. Um, first of all, I thought I'm just going to put this clip in here. Logo. Um, I'm putting it at the top of the fan folder. It's not really labeled anything, but um, basically. Mark Giordano, they were all asked about what the best way to resume the season would be if that situation comes to pass, what a playoffs might look like, and um, and you know what the, the quality of play might look like once they start up. And basically Mark, what Mark Giordano said was, you know, if if we're able to resume and hockey is back on the ice, and I never, I'd never really thought about this, but when, when Gio kind of breaks it down, he goes, this could be the best hockey, the best playoffs we've ever seen. And, and here's a little bit as to why he thinks it might be the best hockey and the best playoffs we've ever seen if they're able to come back. Every team's going to have all their, their guys healthy and ready to go. It's going to be, you're truly going to be playing the other, the, the best version of every team, I think. So looking forward to hopefully getting through this as a community and as a group uh, of NHLers here. And then we'll be in for some some pretty good hockey, I think, uh, if we can ever get into, you know, past this and get into playoffs. Like you think about, Rye, all the guys who are hurt right now, all the yeah. teams that were having injury issues. Like we know that Vancouver had their issues. You kind of mentioned it a little bit yesterday with, with Jacob Markstrom and, and some of the players that Vancouver's Best had up. on the shelf and Brock Besser, uh, who had just returned, um, Jay Beagle, Chris Tanev, Jacob Markstrom, those guys have all been out. You think of the, the injuries that Columbus has been dealing with all year long. Like you think about Everyone if this, if this does resume, say in July, Think of all the players that would be able to return. There would be very few teams that would be talking about injury-ravaged groups. I mean, there, there would still be some of the season-ending injuries that wouldn't be able to be fully recovered, but a lot of these teams that are facing a lot of uphill battles injury-wise would be back to 100% full health. Guys that are playing through things would be rested and rehabbed. I mean, obviously, ideally, you don't want to break in the season like this, but if they are to get back, you'd be talking about pretty full complemented rosters, right? Yeah, I, it's. I mean, we, we'd find out which season enders were real season enders and which ones were, you know, six to eight week injuries with, you know, less than that left in the season. Columbus is a fascinating one. Atkinson, Seth Jones, like a, a lot of big name players there. Uh, Vancouver Davinsky. certainly had a better. Yeah, um, but like best players. I mean. You could make a case best forward, best defenseman, and their their best netminder also had missed significant time this year. Their man games lost are yep. crazy. Pittsburgh, same thing. Uh, I don't know what it would mean for 
say, uh, Jake Gensel, who had a serious injury. I don't know about Dougie Hamilton in Carolina. He's dinged up. They also added uh, Vatnin from New Jersey, who hasn't suited up yet, or I don't think had suited up, suffered a setback in, as he was traded while injured. I mean, th- there's a huge amount of variables here, but th- the question for a lot of these teams will be, like, will you have, you know, four or five games to close out a regular season to – or are you going to be missing by a percentage point? And even though these guys are healthy, they can't play. Like that's, there's some, uh, especially in the East, it's very, very tight when you look at Carolina, Columbus, and the Islanders for theoretically two two playoff spots there. And in the West, it's you know Winnipeg by point zero zero one percentage point. Yep. Um, or, or I guess points percentage. That's uh, that's that's heartbreaking stuff. And the, and the, obviously the Jets have been missing a lot of bodies as well this year, but. I don't know that they'd get, what is it, Little, who's been out the bulk of the season, not to mention the the other absences. It's weird, man. I mean, it's nice to be talking about these things continuing. I just don't know that I'm. we would call it probable, right? Like, if, if society's not back to normal and we're near the end of summer, aren't they better off starting a regular season full-time rather than, you know, tr- the, all the, the huge web of knots they'd have to untie to – continue a season in August, it September, depends, October. Right? Like if they can if they can start November one for the regular season, get eighty two games in, skip the all star break, skip the uh the CBA mandated break, condense the schedule a little bit and still be able to start the playoffs kinda in the third week of April or something like that, then then I'd be all for it. Um we've seen but, but we've you're seen missing similar the condensed here. schedules I mean, before. Everyone is okay with a full season next year if it has to be condensed a little. No, mm-hmm. no big deal. The question is, what are you okay with to close out this year? Like, would you really be okay with, you know, to ram together a four-team neutral site tournament and see the Stanley Cup given away? Would that feel authentic? Does that give closure, or does that feel as trinkety as a U23 team at a World Cup? I, I don't. To I think be perfectly honest with you, would, would vary wildly. I think it would. Absolutely it would. Because I think there would be many people who would say you can't tarnish the Stanley Cup and, and the legacy of the Stanley Cup by giving it away with something like that. And and I understand mm-hmm. that. We had CJ on yesterday. It was either yesterday or Tuesday. I don't remember which hit it was. But he basically said the NHL is going to do their best to make sure there's as little of an asterisk as possible beside this season if they do end up having the ability to, to give out the Stanley Cup. And I would suggest that a four-team neutral site tournament, yeah, that would be a big-time asterisk. Whereas if they were to do kind of like Mark Giordano's suggestion was, and not unlike what we've seen from a lot of other places, is, you know, you do a 12-team tournament, you get 12 teams in, you do some play-in rounds to determine maybe the third team in each division and the two wild-card teams. You do some play-in rounds like that or something like that, and then you can get your eight teams that, that go forward, and maybe you got to bring it down from best of sevens to best of fives or something like that. Like, I guess... I guess what it comes down to is, and and you're right, opinions are going to vary wildly from human to human and fan to fan, but what are you okay with sacrificing and what would you, what, what is your threshold for just not doing it at all and, and just starting next year and not giving out a cup this year? And, and you know, I, you're right. That's still like, if they were to do a 24 team tournament and not even a tournament, but 24 teams and do a play in game or best of three play ins, then best of fives and give out a Stanley cup. I, I could get my head around that. I don't think that we're talking about a massive asterisk or doing damage well. to the legacy of the Stanley cup. <laughs> 
I don't I mean, personally, the, I don't feel that way. It'd be the biggest asterisk there is on the cup, wouldn't it? Like, let's be honest. It's not as thorough as best of sevens after a 48 game regular season. It's not, it's not that. Like you could talk about for sure, the level but of I also but I also would be okay with having it. Award. I I'd be okay with that. Like I I'd be perfectly fine if they were to have. Like I'm okay with making concessions. We're dealing with the most significant worldwide health issue that we've seen in in a hundred years. So for me, if they're able to get back and play and have some semblance of a Stanley Cup playoffs, I'd be okay with that. Even if there's an asterisk beside the Stanley Cup that year, I'd be yeah. fine with that. Others wouldn't be, and I get that. Like you're not wrong. Somebody who completely disagrees, it doesn't make you wrong. It, it really is like there, there's no right answer to this one. I just know that I would be able to wrap my head around them doing that and. You're right. I mean, it all becomes a moot point. We have no idea if that's even going to be feasible at any point down the line yeah. here. Yeah, and then just for time frames, like if, if you look at last year's playoffs, I believe the final game of the regular season last year was April 10th, and the playoffs ended on June the 12th. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about two full months if you want to do the traditional four-round best of seven. Um. Now, you want to add in playing games. Does that shorten the first round? Do you want to do the standard playoff format and add some play-in to sort of, I guess, round the edges on games played not being even and to understand that Winnipeg had some runway left to make up 0.001 points percentage, which has them out versus in? I mean, I think there's there's some element of people wanting that to be fair. But, I mean what are we looking at at a gap between the Stanley cup being given out and starting the next season? I mean, what about training camps? I mean, the, the notion that was put forth by the league right away was that they didn't want anything that was going to complete this year to affects to affect next year significantly. I get a condensed schedule and I think everyone's okay with tossing the five day by in the all-star week weekend, I should say. Mm -hmm. And you can run the, 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 the tournament later into the summer for sure. But what kind of hockey are we watching in November, December, January, when you've had some teams that haven't played for six months and other teams that were playing a month ago in a Stanley Cup final best of seven in theory? Like when they talk about protecting next year, it's not just the calendar. It's the caliber of the product they're putting on the ice. I think they have to worry about protecting too. And we don't know how long a theoretical playoff run is, but let's say the Bruins have to play 20 games to win a cup or something like that. Are they, and, and then, oh, you got three weeks to turn around and the season starts. What, they aren't going to party for a week or two? <laughs> like, like, and versus a team like, let's say, who would a good example be if, you know, the LA Kings mm-hmm. win the lottery, get Lafreniere. They haven't played since, what, what was the day this all shut down? March 11, March 12? That's a, that's a huge, huge uh, discrepancy. And I understand there's already big ones when you talk about the end of the season versus the end of the playoffs, but this is nothing like that. You could have some teams with less than a month and other teams that would be, well, let's do the math. April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, eight months without playing a game, seven months. That affects the integrity of next season. Doesn't it? I just don't think there's any ideal solution, and I I don't know if you're going to come up with an ideal solution. That's why I just look at it and say, yeah, we're going to have to realize that for the next number of months, perhaps next year plus, that 
it's going to be different um and and it's going to have to be a little less than ideal if we're going to want to see the NHL resume at any point. I just I really believe that, and I'm okay with things not being ideal. And if that means yeah. some teams having to go longer without games and other, well, that that might be part of it not being ideal, or any of the other things that you could underline about the you know the the not perfect situation here nothing can be perfect nothing can be ideal and i think what's going to be interesting is what the nhl is prepared and what the players association is prepared to accept and what differences what massive changes from the norm that the hockey community is going to be okay with i don't know the answers as to what they are i know what i'm okay with i know what i'd be willing to see but i don't know what the nhl the owners the players are are going to be okay with doing and that's why this is such a like we're sitting here and we're going back on back and forth on it but do we really have any idea what this thing is going to look like do no, we really have not. we have no clue right so it's no, it's, but you, it's you, a you speculative don't want as yeah i mean and that's we could do this every day this is this is going to be the nature of trying to predict the future. No one has a clue. Um, you know, the, the ideas that have been presented will change. The notion of what's possible and what isn't will change with each passing day. Mm-hmm. Um, but like we, 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 everyone's going to have their own line in the sand. Like you're not going to watch a five team round Robin with no final. Right. I mean, you'd watch it, but you're not going to accept that for the Stanley cup. Would you like, everyone's going to draw their line somewhere. You wouldn't take yep. a five team round Robin. Would you for the Stanley cup? That one I you probably watch, that but, one I would yeah. probably not be as uh, in love with, right? Or a, four, so, or a four team, or like if they were just still like, oh, uh West Conference Finals, East Conference Finals, top two teams in the division, boom, let's go for the Stanley Cup, two best of sevens, and then another best of seven. Yeah, I probably myself that probably wouldn't do it for me. It might for others, and that twenty four best of five with play in games thing that others have thrown out there. Some would be yeah, that's totally okay with me, and others would be like no way, that's mm-hmm. not okay with me. It's it's completely um it's completely up to interpretation and and just one you were talking about you know the different schedules just for um sake of reference the lockout shortened season which was 48 games starting january 19th they were able to slam 48 games in between january 19th and april 28th um and that's the, but that's the, different it is it's, it's completely different all i'm saying is that in terms that's a sprint, of a, that's not a late not a eight, late season schedule. ending April 28th yeah. is the latest I can remember the season ending that year. They gave out the Stanley Cup on June 24th when Chicago beat the Boston yeah. Bruins. So that's as yeah. late as I can remember something going. Yeah, and, and I guess it's just how much they're willing to tarnish the year after. Like you, The last thing you want to see is a Sunbelt market playing games for the Stanley Cup on crappy ice at the end of June. <laughs> so Let me... Uh, uh, let me hit you well, with a couple shall... of texts because there's okay. some differing opinions yeah. on it. So Mike goes, damn, Pinder's making some pretty good down, pretty good points as much as I don't want to admit it. I don't know. Why can't you admit that he's making good points? Um, this on the other side, I'd rather see something for playoffs than nothing, especially when most teams will be healthy. This reads, there also was two and three days off between games in the playoffs last year. Go every other day, first round five games. It wouldn't take two months. Well, uh, I'll clarify that really quickly if I can. So typically what you see is every other night, and then when there's travel, 
they'll throw in an extra day. Extra day. It's not just about, it's, that's not a form that fits everywhere because of building availability and what they want to do with matchups and TV and all that. But typically what you'll see is every other day when you're in a one city and then if you there's a travel, you get a travel day, especially as you get deeper into the playoffs. Anytime there's travel, they're going to give you that extra day. So you can tighten it up. But again, it's coming at the expense of, you know, the quality of the product you're watching, whether it's, you know, a minute part of it or, or whether it's major or not. You talk to people that watch that Rangers Canucks Stanley Cup final in 1994, uh, the league waffled and changed dates. And that completely was controversial in Vancouver because the much older Rangers club needed the rest. They were dinged up and it helped them a ton. And that's still something that's talked about in Vancouver. Like just something as simple as a day of added or taken off a schedule certainly can affect, um, you know, the quality of the product you're watching. But yeah, I mean, you, you can certainly tighten it up, but again, um, this is, it's not like, Oh, we'll just tighten up this one part. What you're going to be doing is tightening up an 82 game schedule, tightening up a playoffs and you've tightened up an off season to almost the point. It doesn't exist. I mean, this is going to, so be are you like, would you rather them, on. would you them rather them not do half measures and just completely cancel the season? No, I, I like, I'm not going to lie. I, I'd be watching any of this stuff. Like we're dying for sports here. I, I'll watch La Liga table tennis right now. Are you kidding me? But La that Liga said, table tennis. that's apparently be, something that's still going. Yeah, would that be I've Italian? Told that's like the last, that's the, no, La Liga is uh, Spain. Spain. But, okay. uh, at least I don't know for table tennis, but for, for soccer, that's the La Liga. No, no. Um, it would be Serie A for Italy for soccer. Serie A, but, that's right. The, the, these aren't the decisions that we're going to be measured on. These aren't the decisions that as fans, we're going to turn and watch because we're just starved for sports content. These are decisions that are going to be made by people that have to worry about the legacy of the sport. What sort of value is placed on something that we call the most sacred trophy in sport. And it also has to be done with the background of how much are we elevating the risk of public danger or gatherings, or our players, or our personnel. Like there, there are so many layers here, and then you just get into the 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 CBA stuff with free agency, with the draft, with other leagues that'll be starting theoretically on time while you're still finishing last year's season. Like there is so much uh, to to untie here and untangle. It's uh, but 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 at the end of the day, I really am quite skeptical that they'll be able to get much in because I yeah. we just I see what's happening in the US with numbers. I mean they're they've eclipsed a hundred thousand today. I think that's that's spooky. They Yes, they have officially they eclipsed uh China and Italy when it comes to the most overall cases. And that's why yeah. I Here's, here's what I know, and as we wrap it up, I'll read two more texts. Um, this reads, if they take off as much time as the regular season offseason would be, why can't they just join the seasons back-to-back, obviously with a bit of a break, no preseason or training camp either. That's from Andrew. And then this one, to the winning city and fans, there won't be any asterisks. Asterisks won't matter only to the losing teams. So that's just a few more of the texts at 960-960. But here's, here's the one thing that I'm pretty sure of. This ain't going to look like the normal NHL for a long time. I think that they can be back playing next season. I do, you know, I'm, I'm quite optimistic that at the very least next season they'll be able to play. However, 
that doesn't mean that they'll be able to play in front of 18,000 people at Madison Square Garden and 18,000 people at Staples Center and stuff like that. I think that there are going to be many spots where they either can't play and teams have to relocate temporarily, or it might just be still league-wide, no fans in buildings or only a 1,000 fans in buildings. or like I don't think that next season looks quite the way that we're used to. I think we have to all be aware of that, but I do think they'll be able to play NHL games next season. I don't know about this year, but I just don't think that we're back to normal in in the very, very, very near future. It's it's going to take a little while for professional sports to return to what we were used to a few weeks ago. That would be the uh, final thing that I would say on this as we switch gears to some baseball coming up next. Yeah, and you know where the bridge is between this conversation and the next one we're going to have? The players and the league are going to have to get together and and figure out what's going to happen with salaries, with escrow, with salary cap. Major League Baseball and their PA just did something exactly like that. We'll come back with Ben Nicholson-Smith on Pinder and Steinberg to talk about those, uh, I guess, agreements between Major League Baseball, the PA, and what it means for the Blue Jays as some years will be rolling off. If they miss a season, there'll still be credit as a season accrued for some young players that will get expensive a little bit quicker for the Toronto Blue Jays. That conversation next. Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Pinder and Steinberg in the afternoon. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, 233. Welcome back to, uh, what is it, day number 16 of the sports apocalypse. Pleasure to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and say hello to Ben Nicholson-Smith from Sportsnet.ca, all things Blue Jays, Major League Baseball, and, of course, the At The Letters podcast at well. BNS, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's, uh, it's good to be talking some baseball, obviously, some pretty bizarre circumstances for all sports, but uh, happy, to, happy to join. Okay, so you know when it all went, when normal got weird for me? was uh, two Thursdays ago, I guess it would have been exactly two weeks and a day ago, right outside uh, the bullpen in the right field corner where the media assembled outside of TD Ballpark in Dunedin and yourself, and I believe uh, Caitlin McGrath and some other beat reporters were all talking about what they were going to stream while they were quarantined for 14 days. Just a casual conversation about being shut in for 14 days and no one even batted an eye. I know, right? A lot has changed since then. It's actually, it's crazy. Like how much our world has changed since, I mean, we did an interview down there and it was, it was all baseball talk, right? Like that's, that's how quickly things shifted, obviously in, in our whole world. And now here we are wondering if, there's going to be a season when it would start, what it would look like. I mean, all those questions are there. So yeah, it's been, I'm coming up now on the end of that quarantine. So that's, that's always a good thing, but, uh, but still some pretty scary times for our society right now. So if I, I had my flight bumped up one day, if, if that did not happen today would be the final day of my quarantine. Instead, I've been uh, just pulling a usual shift. I know there has to be arbitrary lines drawn somewhere, but I, I just barely got in under one and um, crazy. We're weird, weird, weird times. How have you been and, and what have you done to spell the time for 14 days of isolation? And it's been good. Like I've still been getting out for walks, um, which is, which is nice, preserves the sanity a little bit, but you know, it's actually crazy. Like how much there is to do. Um, part of it is on the planning side, trying to come up with, Hey, what are we writing about? What, what kind of content do we want to have? And then there's also the interviewing side and talking to people 
um, in the game uh, for for current present day pieces for stuff looking back at previous years. So it's actually it's actually been bizarrely busy, but you know that's always good. It's nice to have. Um, some sort of diversion at a time like this. And so some of that is what we're streaming on Netflix. And some of that is, is kind of immersing ourselves into the baseball world. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I've seen lots of interesting news out of major league baseball in the last couple of weeks when all this was happening. Uh, MLB at least had a bit of a cushion time-wise with the regular season. Uh, so they didn't call things right away, but no surprise they have called off and paused the start of their season, canceled all spring training activity. How would you, uh, I guess, describe the status of the Blue Jays now? Because it sounds like uh, players are scattered around North America and even Asia now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it seems like the Blue Jays basically are a bunch of individuals now um, without access to the training facilities or the staff or the weight rooms or the training programs that they would normally have. So with that in mind, President Mark Shapiro was saying on the weekend that essentially for the vast majority of the Blue Jays players, Even playing catch is now a challenge because everyone is trying to do social distancing. They're trying to be responsible. And that means you can't necessarily go out and find that throwing partner or go to that gym or or go to your minor league complex the way you normally would. So basically, these guys are on their own trying to stay somewhat in shape. But realistically, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard to stay anywhere close to game shape for these guys. Yeah. As for the agreement made between Major League Baseball and the PA, what is what does this mean, and and why was this uh, solution arrived to? Sort of giving both sides perspectives. Essentially, their uh, Major League Baseball is going to honor a year of service time for all players if a season is canceled, and they've also thrown a big sum of money up front at the players. Uh, maybe walk us through some of the details and what the big picture effect is. Yeah, the the big picture obviously good to have an agreement in place there. Um, pretty unprecedented just like so much in our world right now so they had to come together and and agree on what the season will look like if indeed we can we can play it and hopefully they can at some point safely um that is one of the aspects of this deal is basically the circumstances under which the season would resume and at this point they're saying that there would have to be um it would have to be permitted for gatherings of obviously more than 50 people to get together um which at this point is not the case there would have to be no sort of travel bans in place either uh, within the United States, at least. So um, that that's not possible at this point in time. So there are some thresholds that have to be met that we're not close to meeting at this point. But then again, we weren't expecting uh, baseball to resume at, at some point in the next six weeks anyway. I mean, we're looking, I think, best case scenario now is opening day in June. Maybe more realistically, it's, it's July, and there are people in the industry who doubt whether a season will even take place at this point. So that's, that's kind of where we're at, big picture. Yeah, and that's a scary thought. So worst case scenario is there, there's no 2020. Uh, the players do get a bit of money in exchange for obviously understanding that their compensation wouldn't be up to snuff if there was only a par- partial season. Um, what would that mean for the Blue Jays, who have a lot of players in those – cheap team control pre-arb years? That's a great question. I mean, for for the Jays, it would mean that you're essentially burning a, a year on those guys, regardless of the length of the season. So let's say, let's say they play 80 games. It still counts as a full year, um, one of six or seven that you get before these guys hit free agency. So that's, that's a factor. Also, along with that, they're not getting as many chances to develop as they normally would. Now, 
if the season is canceled entirely, um, and this is a possibility that nobody wants, but that they do account for in this new negotiation, if it's canceled entirely, players would then get the exact service that they got in 2019. You basically double down. Mm. So for Vlad Jr., that means a full year, basically. For a guy like Bo Bichette, it's way less than a full year. So he would, he would in that case, be hurt by it. Um, of course, lots of different scenarios. We don't know which one will be in play right now. Um, but I think one of the big costs here for the Blue Jays as an organization is it's those missed games. As a young team, they need guys playing in games to develop, and that's something they can't do right now. Yeah, fair enough. So is Bo Bichette an everyday shortstop? Can Vlad be you know, a, a median defender at third where is Kevin Biggio best served to be in the in the, in the diamond uh, who's your DH first base like all those sort of d- things you just still wouldn't have a book on right exactly and I mean even at the minor league level right you've got a guy like Nate Pearson who under ordinary circumstances would be now starting his season likely at AAA Buffalo working on that curveball and trying to refine it in game conditions so now he can go home and and spend his time in Florida working on that curveball and throwing it into a mattress or, you know, whatever he does, but it's just not the same. You can't replicate those conditions that you would get in a game. So in a sense, development stalls and Ross Atkins, the JSGM a couple of days ago on a conference call, he made the point and, and I would tend to agree with this to some extent. He says, you know what, there is a lot of development that can happen outside of the spotlight when there is less pressure. And so that's the silver lining that they would point to, but Teams play games for a reason. I mean, it is a really good way to develop players, and that's something the Jays are missing out on right now. So here's a, a hypothetical for you, and, and maybe you don't have a firm answer, or maybe you do. Let's say the season starts in July and they play, say, half a season. If Nate Pearson is up, they don't have to worry about, what, that service clock, or do they? <laughs> that's That's a weird one, no? Yeah, I think if they were to start in July, I think it would be scaled. So instead of, you know, a six-month season, everything is is basically divided in two. So instead of having to wait a month to get the full control of his rights for a seventh season, I think it would just be a couple of weeks. So at that point, the Jays would then look at Nate Pearson and say, how is he doing from a pitching performance standpoint? How is he doing physically? If he's doing well physically, well, you're not as worried about the workload concern that you would be in the course of a full season because it's only three months. So you can kind of throw that out the window. And the other aspect would then be the service time. So I would still think that the Jays might send him down for a start or two to AAA at the beginning of the 2020 season if it were to start in July. But Mm -hmm. I don't think it would be as long. I don't think it would be a full month in the minors because if you are playing a short season, then you need to make the most of those games. If you only have 81 games, you have to absolutely try your best to win as many of them as possible because the schedule is so short. Sure. 13 starts from Nate Pearson is, in theory, better than seven and six from another guy or eight from another guy. That that, that would be fascinating, and I hope we get baseball back soon. Last one for you. Um, Reese McGuire was in the news for the most unusual of reasons. He was uh, quite excited in a Dollar Tree parking lot early in spring training. He was supposed to have his court hearing on March 16th. Uh, That has become non-news because that was right around when sports apocalypse occurred and all the leagues canceled. Uh, Just Have you you had a chance to catch up with him or, or put yourself in his shoes? That was an awkward situation that suddenly just fell off the radar. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it almost reminds me of the Astros, right, where they were the 
the absolute center of everything to do with baseball and baseball discussions. And then, you know, Reese McGuire was kind of that on, on a Blue Jays scale. And now everyone's understandably focused on the bigger picture. And, and so some of those things might be swept aside a little bit more. Um, the hearing or the court date that McGuire had set, which I believe was from March 16th, uh, has now been delayed just because of everything that's happening. So that's on hold. And it seems like it is out of the spotlight to a pretty big extent because of everything that's been going on in our world lately. Yeah, no, fair enough. And I said last question, I'm a huge liar. This is the final one. Uh, Hunjin Ryu has what a pregnant wife and is still in Florida while we've seen some players return to Asia, others return home. Uh, just a thought on, on the prized free agent acquisition and uh, the unusual spot he finds himself in. Yeah, extremely unusual, right? I mean, you think about the the season that he was expecting, the opportunity that the Jays uh, were hoping to, to cash in on as far as, you know, this, this uh, runner-up in Cy Young voting last year in the National League. They were very excited to have him um, in the rotation. Now, of course, that's on hold. So his focus is entirely on family right now, and that's a that's a big uh, big deal for him, of course, and very exciting for them. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, he is in, in Florida, according to the team, and far away from, from his home. Um, but hopefully everything goes well on that front, and, and – then once once his baby's born, hopefully the, the season will be ready to go at some point soon. Great catching up. Uh, we, we're excited for you to get back into uh, non-quarantine, although I guess you leave quarantine and into self-isolation and on lockdown in Ontario. So maybe it's just more of the same. Thanks, man. Yeah, of course, Ryan. Happy to join. And uh, like you said, I don't think my world will change very much. I think I'll pretty much be isolated regardless, but uh Always, always good to talk some baseball, baseball. So thanks for having me on. All right. There's Ben Nicholson Smith, sportsnet.ca, all things Blue Jays, and the At the Letters podcast on uh, Sportsnet and wherever your favorite podcast is as well. More Pinder and Steinberg around the corner in these uncertain times. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Calgary guys talking Calgary sports. Pinder and Steinberg are only on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Just a little uh, quick, just an editorial here. Logo, I think, probably need to cue this one up a little further in, right to when the, the beat the hits. Turn it up because it's about, it's about to hit. Um, jam, this is from the Watch the Throne album. Right about here would be perfect. Right here would be a perfect way to come in. Let's cue it it's up a little further in, cool. and we're perfect. What's that? It, it all depends what you want to do. If you want like a slow build and you want to bed for a minute, this is amazing. But uh, yeah, yeah, but you want Kirsch to, is dead set. Like the, everything that Kirsch has ever told me is like, don't let music play. It it kills listeners. You need to come in and not have long bed. So you know, if we're really trying to kill time, I guess. Was that? <laughs> have you heard the morning? show? Yes, but you know more than years. you know more than anything else. That like the morning show, our morning show is made up of extremely talented individuals, but also kind of beats to their own drum, um, and it's a very unique niche that really only they fall into. I don't know of all the sports radio shows in North America. I don't know if you're going to find another one like our morning show, and I say that in nothing but a good way. They uh, they do their their own thing, and they make it work. If you and I tried to do that, I, I don't think we'd make it work. I really don't. 
Fair. Now, there are some times when you do want a slower build. Maybe you have a highlight playing. Maybe you've got double tags, like you do the show tag, and then we've got an insider tag, whatever the case may be. But I think the, <laughs> the beautiful thing about that beat is that old hook, that soulful old hook from the 70s that they slowly turn into the hip-hop beat. Beautiful. Love it. Good stuff. We'll be uh, so an Otis, Otis Redding song. Beta testing, I believe, might be the 60s then, is what uh, Boomer used to call it. When we get into summers and we just try doing stupid stuff and throwing stuff at the wall to see if anything sticks. And we'll do some uh, beta testing now in uh, day 16 of the sports apocalypse with at least some uh, some beds today, which will be fun. Otis Redding all only lived to the age of 26, um, way too way too early when he got into the accident that took his life. That guy was an absolute genius. He died in the 60s, so yeah, that would have been 1960s when uh, that yeah. hook comes from. That album, by the way, one of the absolute best of the last decade or so from hip-hop. That's the Jay-Z, uh, Jay-Z-Kanye West collab that has all of the lights on it, that has Monster with the epic Nicki Minaj rap on it. Uh, it has Otis. Uh, it's got the song about um, people in Paris. Um, people. There's, it is, it is, yeah, it's the best we can do on this show. Uh, and we're not even allowed to say it in, uh, when we're not on the radio. But uh, the song about Paris, outstanding. Um, that is one of the great collabs. It's funny. Uh, we've only got a couple minutes in this segment. Colin Patterson uh, going to join us at the top of the hour. It's always good to catch up with the one and only Patter we got lots of things to get to with the 1989 Stanley Cup champ at the top of the hour. But we were, uh, Logan sent us a text in our little group chat that they said, hey, putting some new music in, uh, have any ideas? And I instantly went into wind-up Pinder mode, uh, throwing out some <laughs> country songs. I'm like, yeah, let's, uh, how about, nope, how nope, about House nope, Party by nope. Sam Hunt or uh, Eyes on You by Chase Rice? That'd be a good one. Throw some Default or Nickelback in there. And because it's a group chat, you can't see me laughing. So there was part of Pinder who thought I was serious, and the ire went up immediately. So I'm not li- only on your own solo segments. I'm not listening to any of that trash. If I hear any of that, I'm leaving. I'm like, yep, mission accomplished. I got Pinder's well, goat. When it comes to I, music I actually... or beer, those are the things that I know I can wind up Pinder on every single time. Quality matters, Pat, on both those fronts. Um, I knew you weren't actually going to put those songs in, but yes, I do have to tell you that that's a horrible idea and that no Nickelback is not something we come out of break to. If the show is called Steinberg and Sons or something else, then have at her. But the show is called Pinder and Steinberg. Never made it as a wise man. Couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing. You don't want to hear that coming into a break. That's not your, that's not your jam. By the way, like, uh, am I a Nickelback guy? No, I'm, I'm, look, do I hate Nickelback? No. Do I choose to ever listen to them by choice? No. Look, they're Alberta boys who've done good. I give them all the credit in the world. They got some catchy stuff. Um, they have hit it huge. Still, uh, there's an epic story about Chad Kruger and Mika Kiprasov that has made the, the rounds. Um, <laughs> But but look, am I a Nickelback guy? No, it's not my. I, I did not like the spawns of Nickelback clones that came afterwards. I never got into Default or Theory of a Dead Man or Forty Foot Echo or any of the countless other CanCon stuff that came after Nickelback. Was it was never my jam. Um, but but 
I still enjoy winding you up. I wouldn't want to come back from break with country music myself. Maybe it's Stampede you can get away with playing some country music. Sure. But I, I, I like the hip-hop. I like the, the more upbeat stuff. Gets you gets you going for a segment. But if I know that I can wind up Pinder with the two mm-hmm. things that really get you going where I pretend to be a little bit more center of the bell curve than I actually am would be with beer and with music because it gets you every single time. The uh, it's it's funny for for a non Nickelback guy as you've told us, the only person I know who's defended Nickelback dozens of times on these airwaves. No one. Else I just I just, just think that the hate just that goes Defender. towards Nickelback it's so cliche. It's like oh yeah, well here's a here's a tired music opinion. I don't like Nickelback. Like, what's so bad about them? They're not like are they great? No. Are they are they? Do I buy their CDs? No. Do I download their music? No. It's not for me. But like I, I I've never understood the hatred that, that goes towards them or this this popular opinion that they are the worst thing to ever happen to music since uh, why like what what about your music tastes are so enlightened that the millions upon millions of people who have bought nickelback albums their tastes are not enlightened is it my cup of tea no um but it's not i'm going to sit here and say that they've got no talent or they're awful or they've ruined music that just seems like it's such an easy thing to go to i never i've never understood the the hatred that is um that is spewed towards Nickelback. Well, it's, I mean, it's just the, this whole argument that like, well, look, look at all these numbers that support them. They must be good. Well, which restaurant sold more food than the others? Would that be like high on the list of quality of food or is it just cheap and catchy? That's kind but of my, what, I think what, music's the same thing. What defines quality? Anything. It's just crap. That's all. Well, probably but that's, people that's that, like, your opinion. Why, why? Here's this is my favorite because I get to get you riled up. But why is your okay. opinion of what's crap the definitive of of? It isn't my opinion at all. It's critically acclaimed garbage. It's not critically like critics hate it. People that make music despise that stuff. People that make food don't like the drive-through window. People that make art don't like the thing you can buy off the wall at the grocery <laughs> store. Like, come on! Just because lots of people do it doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> Like you're telling me the best coffee. You're telling me that, that all mu- all music critics know coffee. more about music than than people who aren't music critics. Like what makes a music I would critic suggest that music critics know more about music than people that aren't music critics. Maybe what that's my makes... hot take. Just like chefs might know more about food than people that aren't. But chefs. what makes Just a music critic them. more qualified to have an opinion on music than say you or I? Their education, clearly. No. I don't know. Like, it's like if you, here's an example. Like if you have gone through film courses and watched, you know, maybe you went to university at a film studies class. Maybe you've worked in the industry. Maybe you've produced music. Maybe you make music. Those people's opinion on music are more informed than people who just scan a dial. I don't think that's a hot take, but you seem to think that it's just an opinion. This it is just an opinion. Like musical, ta- musical taste. It's just as good as Beethoven. Or... Baby Shark's the same as Beethoven. The three-year-old's opinion's worth as much as anyone else's. They're they're different genres, right? You can't. That's apples to oranges. Baby Shark to to Beethoven. You can't compare those things. Critics can. That's why their that's why their opinions matter. Pat. I think you're putting they're, way they're too much. In the field. You're putting way too much stock into random music critic that they they must oh, have the opinion. Um, Come on. Same way. Do you like, consider I, yourself I watch, a sports expert? 
I do not I do. consider myself a sports expert. How could you by, not? You watch every no single means. Flames game. You have an understanding of advanced numbers in the game. It's you're suggesting the the, the musical equivalent is that a dude in a bar with no sound on who caught 20 minutes of the game is his his opinions worth as much as yours. I just screw that entirely. Yours the is going to be more informed and educated. The only re- I'm not educated in sports. I went and did a radio program. I might I might be better at talking on the radio than than other people, but I don't know if my sports knowledge is any higher than uh, any of our hardcore listeners. I just talk about it, and we have the the whole idea is okay. I come with my informed opinion, and you have your informed opinion. Like I think the experts the experts are the, the guys that played the game. Like yeah, I'll I'll lean on I'll lean on Kelly Rudy, and I'll lean on um I'll lean on the other former players that are are doing the anal the, the analyzing and i'll just uh, i'll just come with the opinions and and try to see if my opinion gets a rise out of somebody listening and then we have a a one-way conversation you yell at your radio and i continue to talk to you through your radio and that's that's how we do this thing that's how i've always looked at it. i don't look at myself as an expert you're by, discrediting uh, any no you're discrediting the work you do that's 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 total garbage to suggest that research and network and watching the games in person versus in a crowded room with a TV on in the corner. Like you're discrediting yourself. Absolutely. Um, People tune in because they think you have access to more information. I think you do. And so don't discredit yourself on that front. It's a more educated opinion, just like I'd expect an art critic, a music critic, a food critic, a film critic to have more than someone who just, you know, knows what those things are more than anything else. I just love winding you up about these things. Also, um, Niccolo Valtra is better than um, any of the stuff that adheres to the Bavarian um, brewing laws. That's that's my other Your friends in Germany would disagree, but uh, <laughs> maybe they'll let you back. Maybe they won't. We'll see. Colin Patterson. Uh, let's do it. I'm excited for this. Family Cup champions. Coming up next, Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Pinder and Steinberg continues on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, it's 3.06, day 16 of the port, uh, the sports apocalypse. Ryan Pinder, Pat Steinberg, and now joined by Colin Patterson, member of the 1989 Stanley Cup champion, Calgary Flames. Patter, I don't know how much you've been around the TV of late. On Sportsnet, they've been airing all kinds of classic Blue Jays games, hockey games, and some ragtag crew of uh, Calgary Flames in 1989. <laughs> have, you, have you caught game six in the forum on TV of late? I haven't caught it, but anytime it's on, I get a bunch of emails and texts. You know, I think the best one I got was, "Hey, did you know you scored in that game?" And, you know, surprisingly, yeah, I did. I did know that. <laughs> you hadn't forgot, hey? <laughs> I hadn't forgot. Yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how much people are watching it. I, I, I'm, I, I'm impressed by the the hockey fans out there. How they just they still love watching the game, whether it's old games or you know, uh, games that have just been played recently. They, they just crave hockey. We don't want to make you feel old, even though we know your 60th birthday is coming up in like a month here. But uh, <laughs> Thanks for that reminder, too. Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, hopefully we got the uh, – What do you, I guess before we get too far, would you prefer that, you know, social isolation and distancing is still happening so that you don't uh, get sucked into some massive – hangover for your 60th or would you like that the, the the dust is settled on the pandemic and you can celebrate your 60th which is the preferred outcome here well i think the preferred outcome would be um 
it's still on and nobody knows about it because, and then I can, yeah, but now that's gone. So regardless, either way, it'll probably be a massive hangover. Um, not, to so a, when, not to a Mike Commodore level, but just you know, right. maybe, maybe a seven on the Commodore level. That's still high. It's still that's, high. Uh, not small. <laughs> Uh, Patter, in 1989, I think I would have been seven. Pat would have been younger than that. So my memories of that run weren't with live viewings, but with this VHS cassette that came out called A Sea of Champions. And the C, of course, is the Flames logo. And you got to revisit each series with interviews with the players along the way. And, of course, Terry Crisp's commentary is in there throughout it. You get the play-by-play of the big parts of the games. But to actually watch the bulk of that game six in Montreal. I mean, that looks like a different sport than the one that Pat and I go and see at the Scotiabank Saddledome dozens of times a year. Yeah, it's different. I always say, you know, I played the game when every play would be a penalty in today's game. I mean, yeah. the hooking and holding and uh, especially even some you. Of Oh yeah, I was it was my game, hack and whack and hook and hold. You know, if if, if they took that away back then, I wouldn't have played. Goodness. So, the play that did it for me was you you guys get up 2-1 and then 3-1 and it's like okay, the there's the end of the road is in sight. The finish line is near. You're in the third period, halfway through the third. Claude Lemieux literally comes around the net and mugs Mike Vernon as a point shot is being taken and Vernon's furious, but they don't even think about waving that thing off. He literally got mugged in front by Lemieux. I know it was crazy. And there's nothing you could do because if you went after Lemieux, you knew we were getting a penalty too. And it was, yeah, that was the most bizarre. And I think that thank goodness in the game today, that that has gone away uh, because that should have never happened. I mean, that goal should never have been allowed. And then all of a sudden you're right. You know, all of a sudden it's a three, two game again. In their barn fans are back into it. And then yeah. less, less than five minutes after that, they're called for an offside and Lemieux just pretends he doesn't hear the whistle and steamrolls Vernon again. I'm like, what is this? Is this American Gladiators? <laughs> oh, old-time hockey. Love it. <laughs> oh. Colin Patterson yeah. joining us from the 1989 Flames here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Patter, what do you remember about that series? Uh, you know, I mean, we were two evenly matched teams. Uh, we could play either way, you know, the – skating, you know, skill or toughness, whatever we wanted. And and that was the best thing. We had the two top teams in the league. We were, I think we ended up tied for points or maybe we were a point ahead of them in the President's Cup trophy race, but we ended up winning the President's Cup that year, President's Trophy. And so it was, it was a great, and it was a great rematch of 1986 because in 1986, lots of things happened that, you know, we probably didn't put our best foot forward. And, you know, it was our first time as the majority of guys and as a franchise to the finals in 86. So we got back in 89. Um, things were a lot different. We were a little more poised. We were ready for it. And um, there was just, you know, a lot of pivotal moments, uh, you know, thinking of, you know, bad calls. There was, a, I think, in game four in the Montreal four. I think it was, yeah, game four um, in overtime, in double overtime. Mark Hunter gets a penalty for boarding against Shane Corson, which it was just a horrible call. And, you know, they didn't score on that, but like 10 seconds after that penalty was over, uh, Montreal scored and won that game. And that was, you know, one of those moments where 
uh, you said, eh, not everything's, you know, for us, not everybody's for us, but um, we've got to battle all the elements. And, you know, the Montreal Forum with the great history they have there, the, the team, you know, I mean, a lot of people are Montreal fans versus Calgary fans in, in Canada because they've grown up watching more Montreal than and obviously Calgary, but yeah, it was uh, it was a great series, and you know, lots of great memories from it. Patrick, when you go back to when you think about Game Six of that series, and you take a look at where your team was at the time, like, did you was there any point in Game Six where you said, okay, this is this is maybe meant to be? Like, was it when Lanny scored to put your group ahead again? Like, is that like one of those moments where you're like, okay, well, Lanny's just scored. He's barely played in this playoff run. This is going to happen for us tonight? Yeah, it did feel that way, Pat. I go, um, there was a bunch of things that you sort of go, like for me personally, Lanny and I were, you know, the Montreal form, like the dressing rooms were really small. We had two dressing rooms, and um, Lanny and I were in one corner, and I remember him looking at me and, you know, I said, geez, I'd love to score, and I can go into a bit of a story on that. But, you know, and he looked at me and he said, you know, hey, I got my first goal ever here. I'd love to get my last one here, which, you know, one was sort of, hey, you know, when winning the cup, but also maybe his career might be coming to an end. You know, he might retire. And that was very interesting. And, you know, when he did score, and that is unbelievable. You know, he gets a penalty, gets out of the penalty box, and you got you know, Lube and Neuendijk and Lanny racing up the ice and just tic-tac-toe and, and just a, you know, a vintage Lanny goal, you know, snapper top shelf on Patrick Waugh. And that, you know, then, you know, we were sort of looking at, everybody was looking at each other, this has got to be it. But you still had, you know, half a game to play. And when when you get into that, you know, you, you hate to say it, but sometimes you're counting down the minutes. Okay, let's just get out, you know, get this shift over with, see where we're sitting after that. And, you know, then penalties happen. And then, as you said, we got up 3-1, and we thought, this is it for sure. And then, you know, they, they get that goal. Rick Green takes that shot from the point. As, as uh, Ryan was mentioned, you know, that, you know, Lemieux trips Bernie, and nothing happens. And you're going, oh, man, you know, is this going to be it again? But, uh, you know, we kept battling through, and you just, you just felt that it was our time. Well, and I mean, you take a look at because you broke in, you broke in with the Flames, nineteen eighty three, right? That's that was yes. your first year with yeah. the group. So yeah. that would have been there. There was a lot of high end talent on that team that you broke in with, and some playoff disappointments along the way. You know, you'd kind of you'd worked your way through the battles and the disappointments against the Oilers or the 86 cup against the Habs. Like that had to feel for that group that had been together for five, six years. Like, it had to feel like finally we've accomplished what we had set out to be striving for, for so long here. Yeah. And it was so true because I mean, it, it's one thing I think, you know, I'm, not that I've experienced it, but if you get traded to a team and they win the cup that year, that's, you know, it's different than when you've been with a team for a long time. You've seen it grow. You know, the the guys that you played with, as you said, you know, five, six years. And, and you know, as you finish your career, maybe seven or eight years, you've been with the, that same bulk of players. And it's really neat to see the growth. And as I said, in 86, we thought we were going to, we, we could have won. We thought we'd be back in 87, 88. And then you realize in 89 how special it is to, to get a chance to get back and then to win um, is is amazing. And, you know, as your career wraps up, too, you you look at it and you go, hey, we should have won more than one. We should have probably won two or three, maybe, you know, maybe three, maybe four. Who knows? But, 
it you know you realize how fortunate and how lucky you are to be on a team that won and to be with the guys you were with and the camaraderie that you have with those guys and and the relationships and the friendships you have for life with them so we know that you know at the end of Lanny's career in 1989 here was a guy that you know knew that maybe the end was coming and you know he was not a, a regular player the same way he was early in your career but tell us about Lanny McDonald in the early stages of his time with the Calgary Flames when you were a young buck breaking into the league tell us about Lanny McDonald then well, hopefully he's not listening because he'll get a big head, but uh, he was the greatest guy, and he still is. He, you know, he's one of those guys that I always say the story that my first training camp, I came to Calgary, and the Calgary Flames were uh, well-known for their uh, celebrity and charity golf tournament that they had, and it was the biggest probably in maybe, you know, in Canada for sure, maybe one of the bigger ones in North America for charity status. And I remember they invited me to the tournament, and you got to the – to the meeting beforehand and I didn't really know anybody and the first guy to come up and introduce himself to me is a guy who doesn't need to be introduced to anybody is Lanny McDonald you know saying hey you know I'm Lanny McDonald and welcome to the organization and you know all those great things that that Lanny is that that's you know that really strikes to me that's that's the type of guy he was he was a competitor he was a hard worker um, he was, he had talent. He was, a, you know, and he was a great captain, great leader. If there was somebody who, who was in trouble or, you know, wasn't feeling right, he'd be the guy to help. You know, he made sure all the, all the young guys, you know, had a place to go for, you know, whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter. Um, he always made sure that uh, people were looked after and part included as part of the group. Just one of the greatest guys you'll meet in the game. What about on the ice? What uh... on the on the ice? He was a fierce competitor. I mean, yeah. he was. I you know I remember there's lots of things that you know you can say about Lanny on scoring goals and that, but we were just talking about uh, you know in that playoff run we when we played L.A. There was a fight that happened and Lanny ended up fighting this guy Jim Weimer who's like Jim Weimer's got to be like six three or six four, and Lanny fought him and it was one of the greatest you know. At the time, it was such a, a, a you know pivotal moment in the game, but also in the series too. Saying, "Hey, you know what? We're not going to back down." And Lanning was the guy leading the way, and he was our oldest guy in the team. You know, he shouldn't probably shouldn't have been fighting, but he was. And that's the type of guy he was. He gave everything he had. He was a, a fierce competitor. Okay, now I know that. Kent Nielsen did not win the cup with the group, um, but you played with him when you first started, and you also played with Hoke and Lube. So you got two pretty high-end Swedes to be playing with when, you know, at that time it was still pretty new having European players play in the NHL. Tell us about the two Swedes. Uh, you don't have to tell us who is better, but tell us about Kent Nielsen, the magic man, and tell us about still the only Swede to score 50 in an NHL season, Hoke and Lube. Well, uh, let's start with Kent. Uh, you know, Kent Nielsen was an unbelievable talent. He was just like his hands were, you know, I mean, he could stick in, he could shoot. He was, and he saw the game very well, but he was arguably one of the most talented players, probably the most talented player I ever played with. Um, you know, he could skate, like, in, but he was just nonchalant about it. it. It just, you know, he had a natural talent, but, you know, he he also worked on a lot of little things that, 
you know, maybe I, I probably wouldn't think about, you know, probably saucering the puck might be one of them, <laughs> but he was always, he was always really good. You know, he could, I mean, the big thing about him is people talk about him, you know, going to the center line, center ice and, you know, shooting three pucks off a crossbar because somebody asked him to. Well, he could do that, you know, anytime on a regular basis. And he was uh, just a, quite an amazing talent. Uh, Hulk and Lube was, you know, we broke in together in, in 83. And he was, you know, back in those days, as you mentioned, Pat, you know, there weren't a lot of European players. And a lot of times they'd take, you know, probably a little more abuse than, you know, the North American players. But Luber wasn't a big guy. He was a fabulous skater. And he was a gamer. Like, he'd be in there. He was a tough little guy. And I think that's where, where people got mixed up, you know, that, hey, he isn't that tough. He is tough. He was, You know, he and Matt Snazlin were, you know, really tough little guys. And, uh, you know, they they played the game well. They were competitors. And they they had, a, you know, Luber was unreal as a, as a teammate, too. Um, he was a guy who always made sure, you know, if we had team events, he was there. Um, you know, they were part of the team. He had, you know, young son at the time, uh, Henrik, who, you know, and his his wife, uh, Marie, you know, so he, he made a big commitment coming over and, you know, you, you don't forget stuff like that. And I, and he spoke English very well, but I go, you're, you're in a new environment, you know, it's, um, you know, a lot of things that are different, you know, than, than the homeland. And, but he, he got right into it and he was just one of the great guys, I think. When you look back at, you know, when uh, after we won the cup and, you know, he left and we had a few changes in the team, um, you know, he was one guy that I, I don't think people give enough credit to that when he left, we, it was a big void. And he was just hitting the, the prime of his career, too. And he went home and, mm-hmm. you know, for family reasons. And, you know, we respect that, but we, we certainly missed him. And, you know, when we see him or talk to him, you know, these days, he's still the same guy. And, He's one of those guys who's like Joel Otto, you know, look the same as they did when they played. And yeah, it's true. He's a he's a good friend of the the station. He one time out of the blue just called overtime the Colin show, uh, and I at first I didn't believe him until you're like, okay, no, that's actually him. Um, and uh, he's he's turned into a really good friend of the station, and now obviously with the Flame scouting staff. But did you? Did you give him a hard time at the time about the helmet, or is that only something you make fun of him about now? Well, you know what I mean? I think uh, you can make fun of everybody's helmet back in that day, <laughs> but it was pretty funny. And I remember Badger Bob put Luber's helmet on for this. We had an optional skate one day, which when you say optional skate, it meant uh, the better players didn't have to go on. The slugs had to go on. And Badger decided he was going to go on and but he couldn't find a helmet and so he put lubers on and that bucket and you know he had that shield on and it, it just sort of hit the end of badger's nose it was one of the funniest things i've seen but yeah lubers helmet was i mean there was a ton of classic helmets there but uh yeah the jofa the jofa ones were quite something yeah those were those were interesting lids hey tell it can you tell the story about after you won in 1989 and if, if I if I remember correctly, you'd obviously have a better memory of it. But if I remember correctly, you guys ran out of beer on the plane. Is that is that the way it went? And then you had to go get somebody to go fill you up for the plane ride home. 
<laughs> yeah, there was uh, lots of things happened on that trip. Uh, but yeah, the you know when we, by the time we got out of the dressing room and we got on the plane and uh, they stopped the bus on the way there to to get more beer because we had already gone through a ton of beer that you know they thought we'd have for the plane and then on the plane ride we actually we ended up running out of beer and you know getting into the hard alcohol and yeah, it was uh, it was an unbelievable time and. I just remember the euphoria on the plane because the guys, uh, they, you know, brought the cup onto the plane. Like they put it underneath and, and Al Murray was our, one of our trainers at the time said, you know, I can get some wire cutters and cut the bolts and we can get the, the cup on the plane. So, uh, Lanny and a few of the guys took it and they put it in the, one of the washrooms in the back said, you know, out of order. And then when we took off, they went back and they got the cup out and we had the cup on the airplane. And it was like, it was just, you know, unique moments like that, that really sit back with you. And I remember, you know, myself, Lanny and Joel Otto, I have this great picture of the three of us, just an impromptu photo of us with the cup on the plane. And it was just really special. And you, you don't forget stuff like that. And it was really neat because the Flames had brought the wives out um, to watch the game. And then on the way home, all the wives were there. Unfortunately, my wife wasn't there because we just had a baby at the time. And, you know, we talked about, you know, hey, you know, should should you come with the baby? And I go, well, if we don't win and, you know, her daughter isn't good on the plane, uh, there'll be some unhappy guys <laughs> But I, you know, I, I wish, you know, my wife could have been on the plane with our daughter, but it, it is, you know, I mean, that was the neat things that the Flames did back in the day when other teams were not doing stuff like that. Yeah. Colin Patterson, 1989 Stanley Cup champion with us on Pinder and Steinberg this afternoon. Patter, I'm doing a little research here. Correct me if I'm wrong. Thursday night in Montreal is the, the first time ever the Cup's awarded to a team not based in Montreal in that building. An incredible achievement from you guys. But my math would suggest you get home to Calgary in the wee hours on Friday morning. Uh, what did that weekend look like? And what was the uh, the welcoming party like? And what time of the day did you land? Well, we landed, I think, at about 5.30 in the morning. I remember we went down to Honey's Pizza, and there was there was there was people there. We were, you know, I think it was one of the few times we chartered, so we landed in a little bit of a different spot than we normally do. But there were people there to you know cheer us off the plane, and we everybody went to Honey's Pizza. That uh, was downtown. It was at 10th and I think third or fourth, and we went there. It was about five thirty or six in the morning, and it was. Like it was just the guys and a few other people that had, had stayed, you know, had been there at Honey's and we just had a great time. And I remember my wife came to pick myself and Rob Ramage and Dana Merson up and it was about 10 in the morning and still people were honking their horns. And then that night we went to Lanny's and, you know, uh, had the cup there and it was just, it went for like three or four days for sure that, you know, we were going out to Lanny's having these parties and, you know, there was a, a group at the time called the Sail Cats. They came out and played for us and it was just nonstop. It, it just special moments. But I remember, you know, getting, a, I had the music going at home and, you know, pounding away and, you know, I had a couple of beer going and, and all of a sudden I just hit the wall and I was done. I was like, you know, I, I had to shut her down. It was, uh, it was a little too much after about four days. <laughs> 
Incredible stuff. Just awesome. I uh, do appreciate the storytelling. Uh, before we let you go, uh, what's the latest with the Flames alumni? You play a big role, as so many of uh, that 89 crew do, and numerous other former NHLers and the great work you do in the community. What, uh, what does your schedule look like with this uncertainty moving forward? Well, it's, you know, a lot of events have been canceled and, you know, our alumni does a ton of events, probably about 200 a year, you know, spread throughout all our, our guys. And, you know, those are different events, not, not events where we're all at. And a lot of events have been canceled, you know, from obviously from about a week and a half ago, all the way up till basically July. Now people are starting to cancel events. I feel, feel really bad for the charities that are out there that, that want to get something going and, you know, are, are counting on, you know, people donating and, and events like golf tournaments or, you know, hockey tournaments or banquets, all those things have been postponed. So it's been tough, but, uh, you know, our, our alumni is continuing on with a, with a bunch of different things on the social media front, John, you know, Instagram on Facebook and on Twitter, um, so we've got actually right now, you know, we ask people, you know, what questions do you have? And one of them was, you know, can you talk about a tough guy story? And so we've had a few guys talk about the tough guy stories. And if people are on, you got to go on and see the Steve Bozak one that will be coming up. I think today it's, it's hilarious. And then, you know, there's other people asking, you know, what are your first goals like? So we're getting a few of the guys to do one of each question and, uh, that'll be good to keep us going, but you know, we're keeping touch. We've got uh, still a bunch of things that we're working on for uh, later on. We're looking at potentially, you know, we're going to do our first hockey school. We hope um, as alumni, but uh, you know, as long as things go correctly, uh, that that'll continue on. So there's, there's a bunch of work you're doing on that. We're still looking you know, our golf tournament. Um, the masters will be our 26th year. Um, that's in late May. But you're going, you know, well, you know, at some point, we might, you know, there might have to be a call on that. So there's lots of things that you're looking at that you're going, oh, hopefully this you know, will, will be done by then. But who knows? It's a crazy world out there right now. Yeah, it is. We appreciate you sharing some time with us and bringing some levity into our days with some great uh, 89 Cup stories. Those are great. Uh, it, probably when this is all done, it'll be time to catch up, have a beer and do it all over again. Well, I'd love to do that. You guys are great, and you know, keep her up. If you need me again, if you need to take some time off, let me know. Love it. Great Thanks, stuff. Patter. Thanks, Patter. <laughs> See you guys. Colin Patterson joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The bar is closed, but they remain open for delivery and for pickup. The number to call, 403-248-3344. You can do those all day, Patty. Patter is one of the best, and uh, just incredibly engaging guy for, for fans that have had the opportunity to meet him, be at the, at alumni events, the flames um, ambassadors, poker tournament, any of those events, just uh, one of the great guys you could run into and have tell stories from, from the good old days. That's some amazing stuff there. I believe if I, and I, I we don't have pattern on the line anymore, but I believe Colin was one of the first guys to kind of push and the, the 1989 flames team was the the first team to start the tradition of every player gets a day with the cup i believe uh really? i believe that that's what rob kerr told rob, like rob kerr is the like resource for the flames alumni if you ever need to know something about jamie mccown or colin patterson or like rob kerr is the guy to go to that guy is just an absolute wealth of information and the amount of stuff that i've picked up about 
Flames teams that I didn't have a chance to cover from from Rob and his relationship with the alumni is is unbelievable. But I believe the first time I ever had a chance to interview Patterson, we were Rob and I were at one of the uh, the the alumni golf tournaments, and funny enough, it was one of the days when it rained at the alumni golf tournament because huh. every year that seems to happen. Uh, so we were inside, and Patter came and joined us, and and yeah, I believe that the '89 team was the first team to start the tradition of bringing the cup home, and each player gets a day with the cup, which I which I thought was was pretty cool, but just. I know that right now, and and the last thing that Colin was talking about was you know the pausing of the alumni events, but the amount of community work that the alumni of this organization do is, I believe, second to none among any NHL organization. And this is this is not to necessarily besmirch the work of other NHL alumni, but. This group doesn't do anything for money. They don't do anything for bottom line. All they do is try to raise money for nonprofits and charities. And with the money that they're able to raise, they put right back into the community. And just the work that Jamie McCown and Colin Patterson and Perry Berezan and Lanny McDonald and Joel Otto, and I've, I've missed so many other names that are a part of it that are at every one of these events. Uh, and it's not just the golf tournaments and the banquets that they're going to. It's the Special Olympics floor hockey team with just the two teams and the parents. And they go out there and they drop the opening face off and the special guest referee and they hang out with the kids and the parents for two, three hours. It's it's those events. It's, what's the, it's what they do for uh, cerebral palsy and the bikes, the hundreds of bikes they've been able to, to buy for children who are dealing with cerebral palsy. Like it, it is incredible what these guys do and they don't get enough credit. They don't get enough fanfare for what they do. They don't want that. Uh, but I feel like it's our job to underline what an incredible group of alumni exists with the Calgary Flames. I don't think there's an NHL team that has anything like what we have here in Calgary. So whenever we get these guys on, it's always an opportunity for, for me to underline that. I just don't think they get enough credit and they deserve all the credit in the world. Yeah, no question. And you're even just talking about the 89 crew. I mean, there's a bunch of guys from that 04 run that are in it. And of course, other 100%. guys scattered from, from other eras. And, and one of the things that I don't know that everyone knows, but Flames alumni is open to all NHLers from from different organizations. So if you played with another team, but you call Calgary home early on, uh, they were one of the only teams that would say, hey, you know, come be a part of our alumni. It's it's very open and they yeah. do so much good work in the community. So big thanks to Patter for coming on and everyone else. And you know what was interesting? That story told about them getting the cup from underneath the airplane. Like, how, can you imagine the cup not being on the plane with the players in today's NHL? Absolutely not. In fact, Ryan Leslie was going to join us later today. Just uh, had a sit down uh, chat, probably not in the same room uh, in today's uh, climate, but with Ryan O'Reilly and the picture that was thrown up on Twitter was of course, O'Reilly and Patrick Maroon holding the cup on the plane. That might've been another mm-hmm. tradition that the 89 flames kicked off. Kind of cool. Um, yeah. And you're right. I mean, the, what they, what they've been able to, to do it's like you talk to players like Curtis Glencross or Mason Raymond or Corey Sarich or even that clown Brent Cron. Um, <laughs> you you talk to these guys and like it's just it's an expectation. You played for the team and if you're a part of the alumni, you just take part in. It. It's not a, it's not an expectation in a bad way. It's just like this is the legacy. Everybody just buys in. Doesn't matter when you played for the team, whether you're on the 04 team or the 08 team or the 14 team. You just you you 
want to be a part of this stage and talks about it. Like, you just want to be a part of the alumni and the good work that they're doing. It's, it really is good stuff that they do. Um, Okay, thanks to Colin Patterson, and, and I do think, here's, here's something cool. Uh, tonight we're playing another Flames Rewind game. It's from this season, Flames and Boston Bruins from Feb 25. Might be the most complete game the Flames have played all year. They go into Boston, uh, a team that had only lost in regulation once all year on home ice, and the Flames took it to them with a better team for 60 minutes. That, te- that game's coming up tonight at 6 o'clock, but next week we're doing some more classic Rewind games, and I think our job is to try and get a guy who start on that team coming on the day but like the 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 afternoon before we play that game so for instance my target on monday i'm going after joel Otto because 1989 game seven vancouver calgary in round one of the smythe division semifinals uh joel Otto scored the overtime winner and uh joel's one of my favorite guys to talk to and when you get that guy out of his shell he tells some great stories as well so i think our target a guy who played on the 89 team uh joel Otto, for instance on monday we got some great games coming up next week on the rewind side of things Pinder and Steinberg up next. The NHL has been doing these conference calls with captains of all 31 teams, and today they did a Pacific Division conference call, including Mark Giordano. We'll play you some highlights of that coming up next on Pinder and Steinberg. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Back to Pinder and Steinberg, Calgary Sports Talk in the afternoon. Sportsnet 960, the fan. We know there's no hockey right now. We haven't heard from a lot of current NHL players during this NHL suspension. However, the league has started to roll guys out, and I think starting next week we'll start to hear from some more members of the Calgary Flames and and just find out what different guys are up to, coaching staff too. This is a really odd limbo that we find ourselves in right now and nhl's trying to work their way through it individual teams are trying to work their way through it but today uh, a cool little conference call for captains of pacific division teams came together on that zoom platform you had connor mcdavid of the oilers oliver ekman larson of the coyotes bo horvat of the canucks and captain mark giordano of the calgary flames and here's here's some of the highlights of it it's mostly geo i i went through it lasted about 40 minutes so i went through and edited it down to a about 40 minutes, um, mostly Geo, but some cameo appearances in this from some of the other gentlemen on the call as well. Here's uh, Mark Giordano, who updated us as to what's happening right now with him and where he is in self-isolation. I'm uh, in Calgary. Uh, this is home now for me. A uh, little bit uh, different being uh, home every day with the family and with the kids, but enjoying that time and trying to take advantage of it. Uh, the season uh, sort of came to a stop, obviously. It was a little bit of a shock for all of us, but like Oliver said, uh, it's really important for us to, to be safe and everyone take care of each other and do the right thing and listen to what uh, the doctors and nurses, they're the ones who are seeing this on the front lines and we need to, we need to listen to them and, and do whatever they tell us to. Uh, and I, I think everybody just assumes that NHL players, professional athletes have gyms in their home. But then when you think about it, since you have everything you need at the office, I don't know why you would have to have a gym at home. So I'm just wondering how you're adapting. If you're using like household appliances, pets, all that kind of stuff. How are you staying fit? How are you working out? Yeah. I mean, I don't have too much here. I have some, uh, a few cardio machines, like you said, uh, so used to having, having that resource at the rink, but. I've been uh, doing a lot of body weight stuff when it comes to strength and all that. Uh, a lot of push-ups and old-school uh, exercises, but 
you know what I think as long as you you put in about you know you put in a good half hour to an hour a day and you maintain a lot of what you have with with even just simple simple body weight exercises um for us i think the the, the main thing is is we we want to be on the ice so that's the part that sucks right now we can't can't get our, into our skates and get on the ice so um trying to find a lot of different creative ways to stay active and uh, uh it's hard hard to motivate yourself some days but try to try to do it as early as possible in the morning and get it over with all right Let's try a couple of individual ones that were sent in from uh, media members. Uh, ben Kuzma of the Vancouver province for you, Bo. Uh, if, he said, but I'll say when the season resumes, uh, how, how much will you guys be lifted by, uh, by a healthy roster? And, and what do you think the Canucks will have to do better? Yeah, I mean, you know, we had a couple of injuries. Um, you know, Markstrom, our goaltender that was hurt. Tanny, um, who was, uh, you know, kind of just got hurt before this ended. Um, no, it's it's definitely going to help get our roster healthy and get back going again. I mean, we have uh, a lot of guys that are important pieces to our our team, and um, if we can put it all together and 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 stay healthy and play the way we know how to play, we're going to have a lot of success going forward. So um, we're trending in the right direction. Um, obviously, it was nice to be in the playoff hunt at this time, and all of a sudden this kind of thing happens, which which sucks. But um, no, we're definitely uh, you know we were doing a lot of good things before this. Okay. Connor, similar question from Marty Klinkenberg at the Globe and Mail. Uh, and, and we stipulate that all these questions, there's a lot more important things going on in the world, but we're just going to take a couple of minutes to think about hockey. You, you, your team was having such a great season. How does the interruption make it frustrating? Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, you know, but like you said, there's lots, lots more important stuff going on. And, and, and uh, you know, the, the health and safety of everyone is, 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 uh, is what's important. Um, so hockey can go on hold for a little bit, but um, obviously it's frustrating when um, I shouldn't say frustrating. It's just disappointing when when uh, you know the team's having a good year and, and you know in the playoff hunt and and um, you know, lots of good stuff going on. So, but again, it's important that everyone you know does uh, what they have to do and, and takes care of each other, like Gio said earlier, and um, that we can get this thing uh, get this thing over with so we can get back to playing hockey. Okay. Mark from uh, Eric Duhatchik at the Athletic. Uh, I, I guess leading up to the pause, you you had said you thought your team was in a, in a better shape than it was even last year at this time. Uh, and how does how does the pause change that? And after two weeks off of skates, how do you feel? Yeah, no, I said that because last year we sort of we had, we got off to this great start and we were sort of coasting in, and it just didn't feel like we were playing those those type of playoff atmosphere games that you need to be in going into playoffs and it, I think it hurt us a bit so what I said was if we do get in this year we're going to have to go on a, a great run to get in and, and be playing our best hockey um, yeah the pause like, like Connor said I mean there's no there's no other way to say it it's it's frustrating sometimes for us it's disappointing but again we we have to do what's right and I think you know being being leaders in our on our team and in our communities that goes a long way um, you know, as far as uh, the break, I think if we can ever get back to play, and I think this is going to be one of the best playoffs ever because every team's going to have all their their guys healthy and ready to go. It's going to be you're truly going to be playing the other the, the best version of every team, I think. So, looking forward to hopefully getting through this as a community and as a group uh, of NHLers here, and then and then we'll be in for some some pretty good hockey. I think uh, if we can ever get into you know, pass this and get into playoffs. 
which teammate would you most want to be quarantined with? Which teammate would you least want to be quarantined with and why? I'll go uh, – we've been playing together probably the longest – well, sort of the longest on our team. But me and Monaghan are uh, pretty pretty tight off the ice. We trained together in the summer and, and have developed a pretty good relationship. So I'll go with him. We have a lot of the same uh, interests too. And then probably the lead guy I'd least want to be with is uh, I'll say David Riddick. Um, he crushes a lot of Pepsi and pop and stuff like that. So I would, would have to load up for him. And uh, half the time he's yelling at me on the ice and trying to, trying to say things to me. And I have no idea what he's saying. So I'll go with, I'll go with Ritter. And Mark and Connor, I'll give you both this one. He can, we can lob it off. Uh, everybody wants to know about the battle of Alberta and uh, it's ticked up a little bit this year. Uh, is it fun while it's going on or uh, are you enjoying it? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think what's happened is both teams were, were both in those, in those playoff spots. And I think, uh, you know, for a lot of my career, um, it wasn't like that. So this is so much, so much better. I think it's so much better for the game and it's a lot more fun playing those games. And uh, we've had some good ones this year. So hopefully, hopefully we'll keep that going. Yeah, I mean, uh, like Mark said, we've we've had lots of games where they've been pretty meaningless, and um, you know, this year obviously with uh, with the games being so tight and these four teams being so tight in Calgary, Calgary and, and Edmonton, um, you know, especially, um, you know, there's you know, the fans always get into it. They're always lots of fun. Um, you know, this year they've been they've been uh, pretty wild. So um, you know, we'll get back playing here, and, and maybe we'll even see them in the playoffs. So um, that'd be pretty fun. Let's see how imaginative and uh, self-serving you guys all can be here. Uh, we got all different positions in the standings as they were frozen. Some teams safely in. I think we got one team here that is either out or in, depending on whether we have points or points percent, uh, percentage. So let's go around and see how do we want to restart this and what kind of playoffs do we want to have? So, Bo, you're, I think you're in the, the most interesting position. So uh, we, yeah, I, I think mean, you think we need to play some uh, more more games or else go by point yeah. percentage, right? I was just gonna say, yeah, either go by points percentage or start, or you know, play some more regular season games. Um, you know, obviously, you know, to to make it completely fair, you'd want to play regular season games and, and have, you know, um, more games, uh, you know, to get in. And but if we're gonna start playoffs right away, then obviously, you <laughs> sorry, Gio, but you want to. I don't know if you guys would be in or not, but. Um, Definitely by percentage, and I think uh, that would put us in. But um, you know, it's uh, it's it's tough to make that call. That's for sure. All right, Connor, what kind of playoffs should we have? I think they look pretty good right now, but uh, um, you know, obviously, uh, obviously be, uh, a fair uh, a fair season and, and a fair season's a full season. So um, you know, if if we can do that, then then that's uh, that's what we'd, we'd obviously prefer. But um, I don't think we can just step into playoffs and, and you know, game one, you know, Calgary come to Edmonton and, and guys just run around, kill each other and haven't played a game in, you know, two months. I think, uh, you know, it'll end up the stock and heat versus the, the Bakersfield Condors if that's the case. So, um, we want to keep guys healthy and, and, uh, you know, we want to make sure that everyone's good, up and ready to, to play some, some, some playoff hockey. Like Gio said earlier, I think. You know, if, if we can get back to playing, I think it could be some of the best uh, the best playoffs we've ever seen where 
know, everyone's healthy, everyone's uh, rested, and, um, you know, it could be real exciting hockey. Mark, what do you think? Edmonton, Calgary in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I, you know what? I I don't know. I've thought a lot a lot about this. I think, like Bo said, you want it real. Uh, like in a in a perfect world, you want to play the the regular season out and let it play out. Whoever gets in gets in. But I don't I don't think realistically we're going to have that time. So um, the best one I think I've heard is you can't you can't eliminate teams who are out on points percentage or stuff like that. You, I think you you go twelve and twelve and. More teams get in this year, maybe a couple buys at the top and, and uh, play it out. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be tough, too, to just jump into a playoff game, first game. So I don't know how they can work it out where we can almost get, even if we can get a couple in before that, it would be nice. But uh, we'll see see how long this lasts and how long it goes, right? Oliver, I didn't think you needed to be called on when he said 12 and 12. I figured you jump right in, so go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, it's only fair to to start where we we uh, left off here. Uh, I think uh, it would be good for the playoffs to to get those games to really get going again and, and get into a playoff spot and, and be ready for a, a really good uh, good playoffs. I think that would be benefit uh, all of us um, and uh, like everybody else said I, I think it'll be a really good playoff because we're getting a lot of rest and, and everybody's going to be healthy when when we get back how are you keeping your team together is it uh, you do zoom calls like this do you do uh, you have a chat room how, how are you doing this mark who are the guys on your team who are just bombarding you with texts and and if they're, and they're big in the group chat and the other guys are asylum yeah I mean same like just some some ridiculous pictures and texts and stuff going on but uh i'd say zach ronaldo and uh big luch are the two that uh they, they get the chat going every day and once you, once one guy starts it it never stops the phone just buzzes the whole day been having trouble keeping my battery at uh keeping my phone alive because there's so many texts coming in and buzzing my phone but it's it's great that we have this, honestly. Like we have this technology now where you can FaceTime, you can do all this stuff and at least at least somewhat stay connected. So we've done that. And uh, you know, our team has been sending us updates through emails and what's going on and trying to keep us posted, but not much has really changed. So it's been uh been weird times, but at least we have this where we can we can actually do things like this and stay connected a little bit. TV shows you're binging right now. Your Desert Island Discs, the album that you you know you need to get you through this sort of thing. Let's go around the horn, Oliver. You you didn't talk on the last one, so you go first. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's been a been a lot of time on the Netflix, uh, but uh, I've been watching a lot of Swedish TV shows uh, that came out a few months months ago. So uh, if you guys have any good ones, I would uh, would be happy to to watch them. Who's got a suggestion? Help a man out. Yeah, I need some good good shows. The Tiger Captain. You gotta watch that. Oh my god, that show is, is that nice. one good? Yeah. Tiger King. Crazy. I've heard nothing but crazy stuff about that. Uh, I don't show. I don't know if I'm up to that, but I'll I'll give it a shot. <laughs> you'll like I, it. you'll like it, trust me, but it is <laughs> the weirdest shot you've seen in a long time. <laughs> What about the uh, the music that gets you through this, Mark? 
Oh God, I'm I'm old, so I mean I'm uh, I'm a big Pearl Jam guy. I'm not. Uh, I don't mind. I'm from Toronto. I don't mind uh, like Drake and, and stuff like that. But I'm more of a Pearl Jam, Nirvana. That was my my uh, stuff growing up. So I'm more of a rock alternative type of guy. All right. Let me, let me ask you guys, anything you've noticed or you've learned uh, in your time away, a skill that you thought you, you didn't realize you had, like cooking, uh, building something, or maybe a hobby or something you're taking up, learning a language? Uh, Mark, start with you. I actually ordered that. Uh, there's a company called HelloFresh the other day where they basically send you, you know, uh, all the ingredients with the instructions on how to cook the meal. So, uh, I tried that the other day and it didn't go too bad. I think I, I made a chicken stir fry or something like that. And that was all right. But uh, I just, I hate cooking because of the cleanup. So, um, you know, as much as uh, I can, I, I leave that to my wife or I order in. But uh, cooking's fun and all that. But the cleanup after, just it's, it's not worth it to me most of the time. <laughs> All right, guys, this has been great. I just want to give you each a chance to kind of talk to fans, just give them a message and maybe something to, to get them through the day or so. Uh, Mark? Yeah, I, I just, if there's one thing I wanted to say, it'd be thanks to all the, you know, the medical workers, the doctors and nurses, everyone who's uh, really, really putting, uh, you know, themselves at risk to, to help the greater good. So social distancing, all that stuff, we have to do it. We know we, we can get through this, but uh Hope everyone's safe, too. That is Mark Giordano. That's the last voice you heard. You also heard some other cameo appearances, other guys on the conference call with the NHL today. Canucks captain Bo Horvat, Oilers captain Connor McDavid, and Coyotes captain Oliver ekman Larson. They've been doing this with all the captains of NHL teams on the four-way Zoom conference video calls. You can go catch the whole thing. Pretty much got everything with Giordano. Didn't miss much of what Giordano had to say in that edited version. Uh, but if you want to go watch the entire thing, it's up on NHL.com. It's up on the Flames website as well if you want to go take a look at it. Uh, I would say the most stylish one of the group was definitely uh, the captain. Mark Giordano was uh, looking on point with the flat brim hat. He had uh, um, he was uh, he was definitely on point with the style today uh, compared to the other three gentlemen. But some good stuff there. If you want to go check it out, uh, that was just a little bit of that conversation conference call the overall runtime ended up being about 40 minutes when it was all said and done quick break come back with uh, ryan leslie who will join us get the latest on what your flames tv host has been doing during quarantine and what uh, what's the latest with defending stanley cup champion ryan o'reilly we'll get the latest from ryan leslie coming up next it's pinder and steinberg on sportsnet 960 the fan Pinder and Steinberg in the afternoon. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Welcome back to the program. Coming up this hour, Wild Card Wednesday, top of the hour. If you missed our chat with Colin Patterson of the 1989 Stanley Cup winning Flames team, we'll uh, hear that again. That's coming your way just after 5 o'clock this afternoon. But right now, let's catch up with the television host of Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet. Ryan Leslie joins us on a Friday afternoon. Hi, Ryan. What's going on? Patty, how are you? Need a little, need a little more Rye in my life. I've got, I've got, I've got one Rye. I need, uh, I need Rye squared. How we doing? You know what? We're hanging in there, and I hope you guys and all your listeners are doing okay as well these are uh no doubt you started every interview off the same way but this is uh 
this is a wild, unique, unprecedented time in our lives, and I just hope you guys and your listeners are doing all right. What did uh, take us back to what it would it be, March twelfth or thirteenth? Uh, give us the chronological uh, events of you know getting ready to do an Islanders game, and then everything that's followed. Yeah, well, probably like a lot of us, uh, when that NBA cancellation or NBA pausing happened, it was like, whoa, okay. I don't think we're going to work. I think this is coming our way, and sure enough, it did. But, uh, you know, we not only were we, <clears throat> pardon me, um, you know, getting ready for that Islander game, down the road we were also looking at going into New York for the first time this season. Right. And then all of a sudden it became in doubt, and uh, sure enough, everything was in doubt. And sure enough, everything was paused. So it was a matter of, okay, now what? And your mind races like everybody else's. And you kind of have to accept this new reality right now with so much uncertainty. So we just try to keep it positive, don't we? And uh, and hopefully uh, sports is, and this type of discussion has become a really good distraction for everybody during a, an uncertain time. Yeah, no question. Uh, how have you been surviving the, the isolation? Have you gotten into Ooh. Tiger King? Are you watching the old classics? Have you been diving into some archives? What are you doing? Uh, first of all, a lot of Monopoly with my uh, girls, my daughters. Um, so that's been good. Uh, one, one, and one on the year between the three of us. We've all had a win, okay. which is big. Yeah. Um, I have not gotten into the Tiger King yet. I've seen it pop up. I have gotten into the classics, uh, Ryan, as, as you mentioned. I did put on for the girls to sort of give them a sense of um, of what they're going through. I put on Groundhog Day, and I thought that would be fitting. <laughs> Boy, Bill Murray was solid in that, wasn't he? I mean, just so subtle, dry, pompous, just wonderful. And uh, and they, by, you know, three-quarters of the way into that film, they were losing their minds at, you know, the way it all started over every day. Okay, Dad, when does this end? And I said, this is training. <laughs> because we don't know when this ends either. So uh, Groundhog Day was a hit. It broke into a little Goodwill hunting last night for myself. Yeah. And, uh, it's not your fault. Really, I've grown a beard that has more salt than pepper, so that's where we're at. Come on! Beard? Mm. Grow where wow. you can, boys. Yeah. You're going Rick Ball. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. He looks like a G.I. Joe doll I once had. <laughs> Painted on with a bigger head. <laughs> Joining us on Pinder and Steinberg. Uh, so tell, hold on. What is a what is a Ryan Leslie beard? Because I, I caught that. Grow it where you can. What does a Ryan Leslie beard look like? We need a pick. Well, like I said, there's a lot of salt. It's uh, very gray, and uh, I am showing my age, Pat. If you must know, thanks for Wisdom. making me feel bad about it. But on a Feelings Friday here. <laughs> Feelings Friday. I was hoping we'd get. I'm hoping we get that that throwback. It is Feelings Friday from the old Big Show with Ryan Leslie and Pat Steinberg. Um, what uh, what are you doing with Ryan O'Reilly? What uh, I saw that uh, you caught up yeah. with the Stanley Cup champion. Tell us a little bit about that. You know what I mean? Like everybody else, we need content right now, and so it's great. I reached out to Ryan, and uh, we were just recorded a hit today. Uh, that'll be coming out on Sportsnet. They're going to patch it up, clean it up, hopefully chop some of it up. And, uh, you know, it's just a good little chance to catch up with a guy I got a ton of respect for. And just, you know, you think about his career and 
where it started off in Colorado and, you know, so much promise. And then it just started to derail for the entire group there. And then he goes to Buffalo and all of a sudden now it's like, oof, if you thought Colorado was bad, <laughs> but, uh, then he gets the trade to St. Louis and anyhow, we just kind of talked a little bit about hockey. We talked a little music. He broke out a great tragically hip song. I won't give it away which one, but he even sang okay. in it, if you can imagine. So really? a nice acoustic and one that he had a nice guitar that he showed off that he, uh, that he bought as a little treat to himself after winning the Stanley cup. He's a heck of a interesting guy, a lot of layers and you know, you can talk by the time you get around to talking hockey with him. Normally, when you're face to face, you've already covered some ground. So, you know, one of the first times I ever really sat down and chatted with him away from the rink, it was entirely about music. You know, it was great who he was listening to. It wasn't an interview, it was just a couple of beers, a couple of stories, a couple of laughs. And, you know, every time uh, we get a chance to catch up, you kind of always learn something new. And I know, Pat, we've had this discussion about he and his dad and. Um, just sort of mentally how he helped sort of help resurrect his career and just how mm-hmm. sort of mentally tough uh, he was. And it's funny, I asked him, I said, you're pretty even keel. I said, uh, but do you ever just kind of chirp guys out on the ice? Do you ever just lose it? He goes, nah, I'm just not tough, so I don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's, so that's self-awareness thing we're always talking about. What's that? Let's start so the, the self awareness thing that we always talk about. Looks like yeah. uh, looks like Ryan yeah. Ryan O'Reilly knows uh, his limitations. I think so. But what a career! What a player! And I think what a Absolutely. pile of respect he has from from so many. Just the way he goes about his business. You know, he he really does uh, work hard, and certainly he helped the Blues, and they helped him. It was just a perfect fit. So there's some lighthearted. We just try to keep it light. Nothing too. Uh, too heavy but uh just always great to catch up with that guy we'll get some other guys coming up too so and chat with kale mccarr good local guy on monday which will be fun um really like uh that young player and certainly comes from such good stock areas dad's just a great guy um and uh what else we got i might even catch up with noah hannafin tomorrow yeah yeah we're gonna that's right we got noah hannafin that's gonna be a an Instagram live chat, so you can check that out if you're bored on a Saturday, 4 o'clock our time. And um, Great to catch up with that guy. And I really hope his dad makes an appearance. If you like a good Boston accent, his cool. dad and his buddy's got the best Boston accents going. Um, so hopefully uh, Bobby Hannafin swings by in there too and we can see his mug. And, uh, yeah, so we got Hannafin Saturday, I think McCarr on Monday. And uh, trying for John Cooper here sometime next week as well. So some good conversations with some guys around the league and try to get some content up. I don't know, kill the boredom, if nothing else. Okay, now can you please give us the, um, and I I know the answer, but can you give us the genesis of the name Man Rocket when talking about Noah Hannafin? (laughs) Yeah, I I think that was a Spitting Chicklets reference, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. I think that's where they gave him the nickname, just uh, probably uh, two minutes for looking so good. I don't know. I've never had the – I've never been in that same category. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's a good young kid, as I think you guys all know. And we'll uh, have a chance to chat with him. Hopefully, you know, a little hockey, but hopefully other stuff too. He's out in Boston there. And I know there's – you know, like everybody else, when it, all this news first happened with, the, with COVID, it just became, all right, how am I getting home and – I got to get back to the family. And so I know he was, 
excited to get back and be with his dad and then the rest of his family who were out of town. They got back there too. So we'll catch up with him, uh, geez, tomorrow night and let it fly, I guess. We'll see. Hopefully uh, there's some good chirps in there and uh, no holds barred. Can you can you you talk about John Cooper? Can you relay the story? Like I I don't like you're a better storyteller than I am. So can you retell the story? Because John Cooper was one of the many celebrities that showed up in our impromptu talk show uh, at the Encore Casino in Las Vegas last June. And and I think it's probably safe to say that you were the host of the talk show, and then the rest of us were just panelists on the uh, the Ryan Leslie show. But John Cooper was one of many dignitaries who stopped by that night. Yeah, that was a shift. That, that was a good shift there, a good eight-hour shift um, yep. where you kind of – everybody just kind of held court there right in the lobby bar there, and it was a who's who of hockey and uh, and a bunch of us nobodies. So it was great. And, you know, we're sitting there right on the rail, and the guys and people were just coming and going. I remember Darcy Tucker was there. Jeez, uh, there was uh, a couple of goalies were there. I mean, Marty John Turco. Cooper, Marty Turco was there. That's right. And <laughs> kept calling him Brodeur. <laughs> Anyhow, wrong Marty. Uh, you're wrong. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, and then Cooper was just swinging by with his wife, and he sure enough joined us and jumped up over the rail and sat down and held court with us and told some stories. And that was a battle. You know, everybody – that was just a a great little culmination of personalities and edge and chirps and – jokes and carving one another but it was just so neat that was of course all part of the nhl awards when mark giordano who was there briefly uh won the norris um that uh that weekend or that you know over that time period so it was uh it was a great time and there's a lot of fun a lot of stories some you can tell some you can't no there's you know, definitely some Vegas every other weekend <laughs> seems the, the uh and remember did you Elliot tell Friedman... the story about credit card roulette on the air did that ever go anywhere uh, what the one that uh, you got my that my buddy still talks about? I can tell that story. It's very, your uh, buddy a little. Yeah. <laughs> so, by the way, in the the last story I'll tell from Las Vegas, somehow we had Elliot Friedman's kind of beach shirt, like you know the short sleeve button up Vegas shirt. Uh, it, it was down. To, I think there was one button still uh, left done up that night. Is uh, <laughs> Friedman? You know what? The next bit. time you have him on, you should bring that little. Because the next day he couldn't believe that we were no operate to go uh, hard hitting, uh, you know, reporters and let's get. But he was. I'd like to get his thoughts on the air about uh, what he thought about uh, that little shift there too. Because uh, it was a lot of fun. I ran into him sometime later. He's like, "Geez, that was a good one." And there was just a lot of laughs there. So you'll have to ask him about that. But yeah, there was a couple of rogue sprouts coming out and then the whole shirt was unbuttoned it was just classic he looked like he brushed his hair with a balloon it was wonderful <laughs> i'll ask about that on monday the uh pinder the the credit card roulette story one few years ago uh rye was like hey what are you doing i'm like uh I, I might go meet a couple buddies for wings he's like mind if i pop by i'm like yeah come on down we all met at the cat and fiddle it's two of my buddies one of them is the big ogre who works over at 660 news and uh so we had a couple beers and some wings and you know, Ryan Leslie's like, well, let's do credit card roulette. And, you know, you know me, I'm I'm a very risk-averse person. I'm, you know, let's just play. No, no, I'll cover my share, guys. I, I'm good, you know. And so my buddy's like, no, no, let's play credit card roulette. He's got a bit of a gambling problem. So he's like, yeah, let's play, let's play credit card roulette. Like, okay. Strong. 
So I'm like, all right, yeah, sure. It's like, what's the worst it could be? Like hundred bucks. Okay, if I if I get it, I'll be able to swallow this one. So I'm like, I've heard some other credit card roulette stories that I just don't want to talk about that that give me literal anxiety. But uh, so we're like, okay, so we throw it all in, and funny enough, Leslie's card is the first one picked. Uh, I think it came down to me and my buddy, and my buddy's was the last credit card in there. So he still to this day talks about how you pressured him into credit card roulette. I'm like, no, you were the first one to dive all in. This is it, it's it's all on his shoulders, but he still talks about it to this day, um, and and he still wants to give you a piece of his mind. I don't think he yeah, should. Well, I think. I'll throw that out there on the road from time to time just to spice things up a little. And there's some, uh, some you know, it's all it's a big group. I can remember once we were going to, I think it was a Mumford & Sons concert. And there was about 18, 19 people, oh you know, your own group. And then you kind of, hey, you know, some people. And then, hey, come on, join. And tables are joining. Hey, who's up for some credit card roulette? Oof. Oh, God. And uh, a mutual <laughs> colleague of ours lost. <laughs> and... Uh, it was well over a thousand dollars, and uh, we decided to all go in on it. But it was uh, a couple of us, anyhow. But it was a sting and a and a Oof. story that will never be forgotten, or really ever one that you get over. And it was a good one. Yeah, I won't. Uh, I won't say who that guy is, but I've I've heard the story. Ryan Leslie's with us, the uh, right Flames TV host from Sportsnet, joining us on Pinder and Steinberg. Rye, uh, do you get a, a sense of what a best case scenario looks like, or what uh, you know, oh. a, a, an unusual playoff format that maybe you've got a, 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 a sneaky interest in that, that could be out there? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, we don't know. So that's. But if you're asking me to speculate, you know, like, have I seen the proposals through the summer? Wouldn't that be great? I'd take it. I'd take it in a heartbeat and uh, just get the game back up and running. And I don't care about the format. I'm, I'm not trying to avoid the question. I just mean it like I just want, every, you know, this whole thing to flatten out and for us to all go back to normal work, for everybody to keep their jobs, for everybody to get back to enjoying the, uh, you know, the reason why we're all here and listening and talking about it is, is sport and certainly the game of hockey. So the format, I, smarter people than me will hammer that out when the time comes. I just hope that it does come. I, I'm optimistic, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I, I just, uh, I don't know if we're going to see it or not. But I don't think it's necessarily about a league thing or a organization thing. I think it's just more about where we are worldwide. And boy, when they canceled the Olympics, I mean, yeah, what that might do for everything else, uh, you know, when you start talking about okay, stampede close to home, Olympics. What does that mean for other organizations uh, going forward? So there's so much uncertainty. I don't know. The format, it, it doesn't really – I'm not one to dig in and, and have that argument or bat that around for a long time. It doesn't affect me one way or the other. Just get the game back and uh, get everybody else you – know, get the whole situation under control and then get the game back and, and then just hammer it out. I, again, not to avoid it, I just – I don't dig too far into that one. Not yet, anyhow. Yeah, we're trying to stab in the dark here. We really don't know what the future looks like, to be sure. I'll ask you mm-hmm. something that uh, that you, you would have some perspective on. How did you see the, the Flames play rounding into form, out of form, same old, same old, over the last three, four weeks before they canceled the season? Because I'm sort of of the mind that 
they were finding consistency and, and there, there started to be an identity of what you could come to expect from this group for the first time, maybe all year. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you, Ryan, to be honest, because you didn't see that prior. And the one thing I liked, and I had a really good conversation one night with um, Jeff Ward, and that was just about last year compared to this season and the meaningful games that you didn't necessarily play last year. You had 107 points, you were kind of cruising versus teams that kind of clawed and scratched their way in all the way coming down the stretch and in and never really took their foot off the gas. And so the one silver lining that he took away that I found really interesting was, you know, maybe this is even better. He goes, I might like our chances in the playoffs a little more this year because groups had that bad taste. They haven't forgotten it despite what they'll tell you, but most importantly, Mm -hmm. they're clawing and they're scratching like other teams and there's no easy nights and they know that. And uh, I just thought that was great. And you started to see some consistency. You started to see guys like Johnny Gaudreau change their game a little bit um, because they had to. And uh, <clears throat> he had took some heat, understandably so, but guys like Johnny, I thought really kind of were, were finally finding their groove. Um, he wasn't maybe lighting it up the way uh, we saw him a year ago, but he was becoming more and more effective and still getting points along the way. Um, I just think the group as a whole, geez, like you guys have probably kicked this thing around all year about the type of uniqueness that this year will be remembered for from TJ Brody to the coaching Mm -hmm. change to Chris Snow to, Mm -hmm. you know, players underperforming to now this, like we'll never see a season like that. And yet there they were. And of course you sprinkle in the battle of Alberta's, you sprinkle in some of those tests and those setbacks and those head scratchers. And it is a year, a season, a hockey season that I will never forget. And there's been some good ones. There's been some bad ones, but this is probably, well, it is. You're never going to find a more unique year than this season for the Calgary flames and hockey and sport and our lives in general. But for the flames, as we boil it down to that, that is the most unique one. So I I'm with you. I think they were starting to find it and hard to believe that that late in the season, only then could you start to see shades of, an identity or some consistency, but that's where they were. Yeah. It's funny. You, you mix in all the off ice news events. There's enough for a decade oh. there. You add in the passing of Ken King an iconic builder in the city. Like this, this is sure. absolutely, you can spread it out over multiple seasons and yeah. still feel crazy. All of it one year. Uh, Ryan Lester joining us. He's the host of flames. And Hockey on Pat got new glasses as well. So you throw that in there. Pat and you'll got be some new glasses as well. You'll be happy, right? Uh, yeah. I got in a haircut, just uh just before this thing really started to right hit the, the fan oh. so i'm not letting this mop like it won't be pork chop balloon head for me uh for a few months so you'll be yeah, uh, you'll like be happy to know that yeah i am happy i'm glad you let me know because sometimes you get so busy and you're very busy and i know your hairdresser is also very busy <laughs> that what happens is when that all kind of collides your hair gets high it doesn't get long or wavy it goes up like a yeah. Like a high flat top, like, you know, UNLV in the 90s kind of thing. Kid like it play. was kid and play, very kid and play. It, Fresh uh, Prince. It gets some vert. Yeah, there's there's some serious – I can't I can't jump higher than two inches, but my hair gets crazy vert. There's, uh, there's no doubt about it. I can't jump over the Airdrie phone book. But I'm your guy if you need high hair. <laughs> What and let's uh, not forget. Let's not forget Young Stars tournament a few years ago in Penticton, 
when it came to the swimming events of the competition. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. And Patty had to peel the tarp off. And we're like, no, okay, Pat, no, seriously, take your sweater off. Let's go. <laughs> we're going to swim. Guys, I'm, I'm ready to go. Ooh, Luckily, it's, brown it's like it's uh, cashmere, more like steel wool up front, and then it's just a little smattering on the back. But up front, it looks like full-on sweater, sweater weather. Mo all the hair like sweater that I, yeah. <laughs> Hanging on the front. Oh, that was, I think uh, there was like a scrunchie or a clip in it or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, you can curl them, a couple bows. It looks good. Um, well, that's probably uh, probably a good way to wrap it up. Before you go, uh, we heard real Lou yesterday. Can we hear a little? Uh, can we hear a little other Labardius before oh, we wrap man. up? Oh, I felt bad. We were having a conference call the other day, and you know everybody's. Uh, we take care of the business side of it all, and then all of a sudden, uh, somebody said, oh, "Is there any jokes?" And a couple people, Ron McLean, told a great joke, and there was a, a couple more jokes smattering in the nose. So there's this deadpan silence and i just said if anyone needs a personal pete labardius impression you can call me anytime but uh phone's been ringing off the hook yeah because this thing comes down to two things good people and washing your hands yeah <laughs> bye uh bye rye yeah stay safe you two good luck, good luck in monopo <laughs> i'm the hat <laughs> good day i'm the thimble there you are that makes sense that fits Ryan Leslie, uh, the television host Check of brush, Flames yeah. Hockey on Sportsnet. On the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, the bar may be closed to patrons during these trying times, but they are open for business. Pickup or delivery is available. Call 403-248-3344. That's 248-3344. It's funny, right? There was a time when I would, uh, you know, I would do some shaving of the chest or whatever and, and get it down to the wood, and you're like, now it just isn't worth it. It really isn't. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of cleanup more than anything else. So now what I do, I just make sure that I, I will shave and groom only the spots that I need so that I can wear a shirt with somewhat of an open mm. collar. Like if I want to wear a polo or a golf shirt, I don't want to be that guy with, you know, stuff poking through. Like I want to give the illusion that there's not a forest growing underneath there. Um, so I'll, I'll groom that part, but the rest of it, you know, maybe a little trim trim here and there. So it doesn't get too out of control, but it just—it's not worth it to go full on, um, full scale when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the grooming. Just not—it's not worth it. You got to pick your fights, Pat. You—you you, you don't necessarily get in a war you can't win. So you—you got to work the edges and uh, take care of the the little things that you can affect. So I feel like you've you figured this thing out. You've nailed the philosophy, um, and that's probably enough. We don't need to hear any more about your excessive body hair. I think that people would like to hear more about that. I think we should uh, tailor a question on Wild Card Wednesday about that okay. coming up next. Thanks to Ryan Leslie from Sportsnet. Uh, thanks to Ryan Pinder for so easily being uncomfortable. Wild Card Wednesday is coming up next on Pinder and Steinberg. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Let's take a spin and find out all the things we never wanted to know about our afternoon show. It's time for Wild Card Wednesday. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Guys, I, I kind of feel like we already got some information you didn't want to know in the last segment with Ryan Leslie. Um, but nonetheless, 
We've got more cringy stuff to tell you about our lives. Welcome back to the program. Wild Card Wednesday on a Friday. Happy Friday. We've got Logan Gordon at the Basement Systems downtown studio. We've got Ryan Pinder from his wife's home office, and we've got me here at Shea Steinberg as we are ready to go. We're in the Wild Card Wednesday casino. We've got five categories. We've got pop culture, personal life, career, sports, and wild card. Each one of the three of us will pull the slot machine once, and then we ask a question we all answer. That's the basic format of Wild Card Wednesday. You know, when we have a station that that sports is on, we usually do it once a week. When we don't, we usually do it once a day. And uh, that's where we are right now, the latter. Are we ready to go, boys? How are we feeling about a Friday edition of Wild Card Wednesday? I have gotten career two days in a row, and the two days before that I've gotten personal life. Uh, so I've, I've, I've basically only exercised two columns of the five all week. Uh, not bad necessarily, but I'm, I'm looking for variety today. I want, I want, I've had, well, why don't you go first? If you go first, I bet you won't get one of those two categories. All right, let's do it. I'm going first. I got my lucky coin here. Let's do it. Wild card. There we are. Good. There you go. There. Gentlemen, what is the best classic sports replay you've watched during the pandemic hmm. hockey specific baseball one. we've seen some golf and world junior stuff on the other network there's all kinds of old sports replays it's essentially the espn classic canada channel mm-hmm. everywhere what's been your favorite sports replay of the pandemic you want to go pat or do you uh, you think about it you go. Do you have one? I do. Okay, you go. I'm trying uh, to think which one would be mine. For me, it, it was pretty easy because uh, as someone born in 1993, I never got to really watch the Blue Jays uh, World Series victories in their entirety. So for me to see the 92 uh, clinching game for the Jays on Sportsnet the other day was uh, a pretty cool experience for me. I've seen highlights and you've know, always seen the home runs and all that sort of stuff and the celebration, but never really got to watch it inning by inning. And I've obviously grown up watching a lot of Blue Jays baseball, but never the World Series, obviously, was before my time. So uh, I'm excited for when I can see 93 in its entirety. And 92 is now firmly entrenched on my PVR as something that I'll go back to uh, and watch again when I, uh, I need something to watch. Good one. I think the best one that I've seen, I know I haven't seen, granted, I haven't seen a ton of replays since we have hit the sports apocalypse. Uh, I've been watching more Netflix and, and been out going for walks and stuff like that instead of been trying to limit the TV time. But I will say, first of all, I watched a good chunk of Calgary-Vancouver Game 6 from 2015 last night, but that wouldn't be it for me. Rewatching. And this is early on, rewatching Vegas San Jose in game seven of last year's first round. Bonkers. Like when you really think about that, because they've shown it a couple of times, and yep. rewatching that third period and watching how even when the major was taken and Pavelski left, and just at the time, you could feel in the building that. Hold on a second. Things could change. Remember, they were playing in San Jose, one of the hottest postseason buildings you're going to find. 
And so when that major was taken, there was a feel like if they get one early, this place could explode. And they got one early. And as soon as it became 4-2, you're thinking to yourself, watch out. And credit to the Vegas Golden Knights because they imploded more than any team I can ever remember on a five-minute penalty kill. Yep. Uh, they looked at the situation and ran away from it. And that was the worst response to a bad penalty call I can ever remember. And credit to the Vegas Golden Knights because it gave us an incredible, unforgettable playoff moment. Uh, So everybody talks about how bad that call was. And, yeah, it was a bad call. But you know what else? That was a really bad penalty kill. And you've got to be – better than than the bad call you've got to not let a call like that beat you to the tune of three goals in less than five minutes so yeah it was incredible never seen anything like it don't know if we will see anything like it again uh that has been the one for me yeah no that was a good one uh i talked about it i think early in the week maybe monday but had a chance to rewatch a sort of fan narrated uh, version of game five from 2015 in the ALCS where Estrada essentially carries a no a one hitter late into the seventh inning against the Kansas City Royals and that was the Tulowitzki bases clearing double so it would have been the series that followed the bat flip and it was just cool to go back to that time because the the energy level in Rogers Center and that fan base was just so heightened because it was the first playoff action since 93 it was an entire generation of fans that had never seen blue jays playoff baseball in their adult lives going bananas and it might have been the best start of marco estrada's career and tulowitzki and donaldson and batista and encarnacion like it's just that was such a fun team to watch that was a really cool game and kind of enjoyed the the fan narrating part which was uh kind of sweet uh it was on twitch so got another one of those lined up for the weekend which will be fun really enjoyed that though it's a good one good first start uh i'll go next i'm i'm good to go second trying to see if we can get some different categories here uh let's rock and roll i've got the next pull on the slot machine on wildcard wednesday here pop culture um I've had this one a lot. You know what? I'll I'll take one. Um you can well, we, we, we kind of got into this spin again if you No, no, I'll take this one. I've got okay. a I've got ones forever. Like I I can I can do this. Guys, is there a song that you absolutely hate like a very whether it be well-renowned or popular or, you know, like a, a song that got a lot of love, a lot of downloads, whatever the case might be. Is there a song that you absolutely cannot stand and puts you into convulsions as soon as you hear it? I'll say uh, usually there's like one hit that takes over every stampede. And I'm not much of a country music guy to begin with, but I understand that's kind of comes with the price of admission. Like you're going to be inundated with country, but there's always one song that gets way too overplayed every summer. And so that's of course, like save a horse, ride a cowboy one year and Cuervo gold margaritas the next year. And it's just, there's always one stupid song that like you hear eight times a day during stampede. And that seems to be the thing with me is if something gets so popular and I don't like it and I'm hearing it multiple times a day, I just, I shut down. I don't like it at all. So every stampede, it's a different one, Pat. Logo? 
Um, I've got one right now. It's usually like the sometimes the whatever the I'm kind of with Ryan. It's except whatever the latest like big pop song is that sometimes gets played all the time on the radio. It's just a little bit too much. So I, I tend uh-huh. to listen to my phone mostly when I'm driving, but. Uh, I think it's the new one. I think it's by Justin Bieber. It's Yummy or something. It is just the stupidest, weirdest thing ever. It's on all the time. I don't, it's not my thing. I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable listening to it. It's the song that's going around a lot now. And I'm not one of those guys that's just like, oh, everything Bieber does is stupid. But this is, this one's pretty stupid. I don't like it. And I really wish I didn't have to hear it ever again. I don't mind that one, um, and I, I was a big defender of Bieber's last album because it was really good. There's some okay stuff on his new album, but Yummy's the, like just absolute trash. Uh, some of the uh, the worst representation of his musical abilities. Just an awful song. That's a good choice. I, I, you're just not a country guy, Pinder? Like, you just don't like it? It's not for you? I just find like maybe it's the genre isn't as there isn't as much breadth as other ones, but it's just it, you get the repeat level is so high. Like if it's a pop song, you might hear it twice a day, but if it's country and stampede, you're hearing it a dozen times because everywhere oh, yeah. you go wants to have that hit on. It's just driving me nuts for it's about like for twisting about screws into my skull. For a few straight years, Rob and I did the show from the grounds. We did it at the Triple B mm. Beer Garden. And I want to say every day when I walked in, and sometimes Rob wasn't there, but I did it. I think I want to. I want to say I did it for like four straight years in that spot. And I think every year when I would walk in, I'd show up, you know, a few minutes before showtime, do all the prep at home, and literally every time, Chattahoochee was on, and I quite enjoy Chattahoochee by Alan Jackson. Oh, but when you hear it every day at the same time, you're like. Okay, I know about the muddy waters. Uh, like, let's just move on. Can we play something else? But you know, it's uh, "Country Girl" by Luke Bryan. That's like the new overplayed Stampede song. You can't get away from that one. Again, I think it's a good song, but it gets overplayed quite a bit. Um, there's one that you Little can't Noss overplay. Last summer, that was another one. Although, that yeah, Old Town Road, yeah, that straight was... hard country. It was more like at least a hip hop pop country. I didn't but, mind yeah. that. It was just played too much. Way too much. Exactly. Like actually, uh, they, a decent song, but just way overused. You can never play too much of uh, something like that, though, by uh, Tim McGraw. That one can get played over and over and over again. The one for me, I gotta go. I was, it was, I want to say a few summers ago, um, and and I, it was a summer that I did a lot of driving, so there was a lot of satellite radio because I was driving all over North America that summer. And the song for me that I could not stand, and it must have been number one on the the Sirius XM Hits 1, it was the by a band called Walk the Moon, and it was Shut Up and Dance. It was, and it got played on every pop radio station across the nation, and you could not get away from that song for, I want to say, about two months. I couldn't stand it. Um, that would be, that would be one. And then... Anything but that's the one right there. You've got it in the background. Can't deal with it. Um, and then it's really here's bad. it's awful, awful really bad. And then here's one. Here's a vintage one for you. <laughs> this vintage one. OMC, how bizarre! That song got jammed down our throats in the late 1990s, and uh, there was not a point in my life where I was like, "This song's good." You know what? Maybe I, because even the Walk the Moon song, you hear it enough, you're like, oh, "I know the words at least, so at least I can get past that." There has not been a single point in history where this song by OMC 
is a good song. Like it's just horrible. I don't know how this ever made it onto the charts. Got a guy talk singing about a car driving like down it. the road when it's really hot. In the hot, hot sun. Yeah. Ugh. Just this is this banger pat. I love this song. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. <laughs> uh, okay, Logo, you're up next. You got the last one today on Wildcard Wednesday. So nice of me and Ryan to help you get those songs in your head. Sports. Okay. By the way, somebody, just before you ask. Yeah. Somebody threw out Chumbawamba tub thumping. Also terrible. <laughs> awful. Great, great awful. example. Awful, Just awful. awful. Oh. Eiffel 65 blue. Awful. There's, uh, oh, there's that one. one. Good one. That's Good a one. definite one. Um, okay, so I have a bit of a, a interesting one for sports today, but it was I thought it was interesting because I, I don't know this about the two of you. So uh, I'm curious. Uh, you just give me one from each, say, NHL, NFL, and MLB. You get one guy right now to start a franchise with. Who is it? It's, any, a, take, uh, it's a classic sports question. Any league? Yeah. Any league. One guy okay. to start a, to start a, uh, I've got two, a franchise so with. You go first. Let's see if you take mine. You go first. You go first. Wow. Well, wanted to see if you are going to take one of mine. Uh, okay. I will go with. Eh, I'm going to go with Giannis. 25 years old. He is a dominant player. I think he's still got 10 more years of being dominant in him. Uh, he's on the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, and and I, I still think there's some growth there. I'll go. I'm not even going to take a stab at the last name. I always mess it up. But I'll go Giannis in Milwaukee is my Ante guy. Bakumpo. At, 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 Antibacumpo. I can't. I get it messed up every time. I have to have it uh, phonetically in front of me. <laughs> Antetokounmpo. Uh, I'm going to take Mike Smith in the NHL, guys. We need a reliable <laughs> puck-handling defenseman, a guy that's going to play his best hockey in the spring, and someone that's going to talk about team play after he lets in nine. That's who I'm building my team around. Who would it really be? Um, I, I, you know what? I don't get to see him a lot, and he's not an oiler. So Nathan McKinnon, just to see what he did in a playoff series last year and to catch games here and there, like just such a dominant player in all aspects, just physically imposes his will on the game with like this powerful stride, this incredible stick handling, doing those zones, laps around the offensive zone, the ability to find teammates and shoot it. McKinnon would be hard to pass up for me in hockey, although I know everyone's going to come at me with their McDavid. I'll say this. One guy's been more durable than the other. Very true. Uh, since you guys went basketball and hockey, I'll go yeah. football. Um, and I I thought about this, and I thought for sure it's going to have to be a quarterback. And uh, even though he just won a Super Bowl, I'm not going to take Pat Mahomes. I'm actually going to take uh, Lamar Jackson of the uh, Baltimore Ravens, uh, who really impressed me last year. I thought that. He was going to look like one of those one-dimensional quarterbacks for a long time who was athletic beyond belief, but, you know, was going to have trouble passing the ball at this level, couldn't really, you know, wasn't going to throw for touchdowns even if he had five guys chasing him, that sort of stuff. But last year for me, as good as Mahomes was, and the durability thing comes into this one for me as, as well, as Mahomes has been injured a couple times now, Lamar Jackson makes plays out in the open field making guys miss with his legs and his ability like that almost as good as any running back or receiver in the league right now, and he gets to throw the ball. 
Uh, and he's still so young, and I think he's got so much potential to be one of the best in the league. So if you're going to go with the classic quarterback to start your franchise with, I think he's got to be uh, my take for that uh, pick. And I'll say this. If it's Major League Baseball, there's only one correct answer. It's Mike Trout. It's not yeah, He was the other guy for me. Who else in baseball well, would you just... even pick two? Like, honestly, that's no, an I, honest I, question. But... But doesn't it mean? Doesn't it also tell you how important a single player can be on a baseball team? Like it doesn't even matter. Like the Angels haven't had any playoff games of significance. Like despite him spending his whole career there, and he's the best player in baseball by a mile. Yep. Like my, it was going to be Giannis or Mike Trout. I went with Giannis, but Trout was the other guy for me. But you're right. The single player in basketball means like exponentially more than the single player does in baseball um yeah. you can have the best player on the planet on a ball team and it doesn't matter like it really doesn't i, I think of i'm like the two seasons that the blue jays had roger clemens and pat hankin like those were two elite pitchers at the time didn't get them to the playoffs like it, it doesn't matter you can have or, or Roy Halladay and how good he was in a Blue Jays uniform yep. for as long as he was. What did that ever get them? Like, it, it, it just, it's so different in baseball. That's why I went with basketball just because I think that's the, the sport above all else where you get yep. that one player and build around him the right way. You can be elite. You can win titles. And, and that's why I think Giannis is going to be that guy for the next decade. It's a good call. It's a good call. Here's one more for you, Patty. Like, you talk about how insignificant a star player can be in baseball. Look at some of the years that the Avs had, like historically bad, and the Oilers had, like McDavid's played in the playoffs once. Those are two of the best young players, if not the two best yep. players in the sport. Um, it's more than a one-player game. And uh, you know what? For marketing and for creating stars, it's great to have a sport where you can have one guy change everything. See Kawhi arriving in Toronto or, you know, LeBron going to the Lakers or like numerous examples, obviously, but, there is something about needing 20 plus people to pull on the rope the same way that that does make it that much more of a team achievement in baseball and hockey that I think has a, a, a much more special and different feel. Yep. Good edition of Wild Card Wednesday, gentlemen. Let's wrap it up for another week. This has been Wild Card Wednesday on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Just uh. There were a couple of other good calls on awful songs. Um, Tub oh, Thumping is is absolutely in there. What about Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve? Just awful. No, the, that's a great you know, the, song. Oh, Screw you. No, brutal. Oh. Oh. How do you not bittersweet. like that? Bittersweet. Oh, yeah, we know the song. Like, I, I mean, you're making it sound uh, bad no singing it. That's a good song. I, you know Come what on. I think it is? The guy's stupid face on the video when he's walking through the streets. I just, it just made it's such a punchable face. Oh, never, such uh, a beautiful song. never Listen got behind that one. And here is, I should have put this one out there. It just hit me because my buddy uh, is texting me. He's a wedding DJ. He's mad at me because I talked about the Walk the Moon song. But, uh, mm, which blows, by the way. Here's a, here's a wedding staple. <laughs> it's a bad song. Here's a wedding staple that I cannot stand Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob Seeker. Just awful i got that song makes me leave the room when it comes on stupid piano at the beginning uh, and then yeah oh no good um, good. that's a bad one yeah uh you know what i i brian gibson our good pal at green drop who we love uh, loves 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 the eagles and i can do without hotel california ever again here in my life 
Sorry. Sorry, Brian. Yeah, if you're listening. Hotel California is not a good one. I'm with you. Kind of with the uh, All right. Back. Uh, Eagles bleeping Back suck, to uh, <laughs> back to wrap up this hour next. Just after the top of the hour, if you missed our chat with Colin Patterson, it was epic. That's coming your way as well. Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Calgary guys talking Calgary sports. Pinder and Steinberg are only on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Some new tunes today. Already after five. Oh, that's a good one. Interestingly, the Sports Drive at Five not yet underway. Don't know how that works. Call the boss. Uh, Kay Kirsch at RCI. Just kidding. <laughs> Coming up in the five o'clock hour, Colin Patterson from the 1989 Stanley Cup champion Calgary Flames. What was the party like after they won the cup? Patters got the deets. I believe it was Electric Ave back then, Pat, not uh, the Red Mile. It was uh, what we would now call 11th Avenue, 12th. Correct. 11th. Also, we'll hear from Travis Green, head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, before 6 o'clock. His club, uh, well, certainly in a playoff spot. They jumped ahead of the Flames in those last couple days by points percentage and points. Um, based uh, if, if the season is done, they're a higher seed than the Flames. They're in that 2-3 in the Pacific. We'll hear his thoughts on how the Canucks are surviving the pandemic and what could lie ahead uh do we have news of the day is there any news or have we just been bsing all friday which kind of feels appropriate i mean not really from a news standpoint the uh i guess like from uh, a real news serious news side of things our uh count was back under 60 for new cases of covid19 in alberta as we continue to stay pretty steady with our numbers that good. Uh, that's, that's really news. good news um We found out that non-essential businesses are going to close now. Uh, So clothing stores and stuff like that are going to close. Uh, So only essential businesses will be open one here's here's one public service announcement for maybe you have been staying in and maybe you haven't gotten this uh psa but i believe every grocery store in the city has cut their hours from eight till eight um they're doing the uh the the ability for seniors to shop uh between seven and eight a.m and then like for instance my co-op across the uh across the parking lot uh usually open till midnight they've cut their hours from eight a.m till eight p.m so if you've been self-isolating and we're planning a grocery trip this weekend or monday or something like that just uh there's a little bit of a psa i, I believe every grocery store safeway superstore uh co-op uh save on foods like whatever they've all cut their hours i believe we're all talking about eight till eight or or pretty close to those hours right now so after back-to-back days with cases in the 60s of in terms of new conformed coronavirus 56 today uh that's good. It's not perfect. It's not the end. It doesn't necessarily mean we've even uh, flattened, but it's certainly in terms of one day news, it's good one day news. What we want to see is that number to stay flat or shrink even moving forward. And that'll be even more encouraging. So we'll remind you again, wash your hands as much as you can limit as much time as you can outside the house, stay where you are. And uh, again, uh, clean those surfaces around you sterilize all that good stuff right am i saying the right stuff yep. does it sound like something 100%. that uh, we should be saying on the air yep i think that's i'm gonna go for a run my friend you know i got a problem here when i run i don't like to go long distances because um i don't really have you the wind bored? for it i like to run hard for like 15 to 20 minutes uh, my wife will run for like an hour and she's like oh it wasn't that long today i'm like what are you talking about that's crazy but uh, i find that when i run hard i actually need to 
spit a lot. And I feel very, um, I don't like that in, in these times. People don't want to see you spitting. So I, I've been trying to run on the street if I'm doing that, not anywhere near a sidewalk. I, I need some advice here. What do I do? Why do you need to spit? Because, like, you know when you're doing hard cardio, you get that thick spit, and you're like, Pah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's the kind of run I'm doing. I, I, can't, I can't not spit. I hate running so much. It's all I've got right now, so I'm doing it, but I hate it. I hate it so much. Uh, and especially, what, what's like, a run look like I hate it. Uh, I'll go down. I'll cut through Millennium Park, run along 14th Distance. Street for a couple of seconds, and then drop down to one of the either the south or the North River path, and yeah. and just take a route. Sometimes I'll run west and um, run along Memorial. Sometimes I'll uh, go east and run on the south side towards the Peace Bridge and Princess Island. So yeah. I usually just go uh, for a river walk, and I try to like do two or three bridges is what I try to do. There's a lot of walking breaks because yeah, I don't got a lot of wind either. Um, my cardio so much Fucking better like than it ever has hour? been and i still don't have much wind uh, i just hate running so much so could you run like a 5k like a heart could you do a 5k run or would that like break you how long would that take i don't know fast you run but uh i would think I a really good decent. time would be between 20 and 30 minutes there no if i had somebody motivating me i could probably do it um, at, at a decent pace, but if I don't have motivation, then oh no, I'd be taking walking breaks and stuff like that. I just hate running so much. And the worst, at least on a treadmill, you stay put so you can just stop and you're not worried. But like, if you go for you run hard for 15 minutes and then you run out of gas, you're like holy crap, I'm so far from home. Uh, there's a lot of first world problems right now from Steinberg, but uh, I just hate running. And I've got my knees are bad, my shoes suck. Uh, I need to get some shoes, you donkey. Well, I've got to work on. Uh, I got to work on that during a pandemic. That's my next step. You need to get them delivered right to your door. Wipe down the box, they're yours. Perfect. It's five oh seven. We're way late. We come back with Stanley Cup champion Colin Patterson, all around good guy, Flames alumni, and uh, 1989 Electric Ave party insider. Apparently, woo. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Tinder and Steinberg continues on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sports Drive at 5, just a quarter of an hour late. Don't mind us. We're doing radio in the sports apocalypse as we are in day 16 of no sports. Pinder and Steinberg here with you. Patty, good news in Alberta today. Just 56 cases after back-to-back days in the 60s. Uh, new cases, that is. Uh, let's hope this uh, social distancing and isolating in our own homes is is helping flatten the curve here in alberta yep i i continue to really be encouraged by what we're seeing in alberta our chief medical officer has done an incredible job uh, i give a lot of credit to the premier for um coming forward with some pretty you know some pretty sweeping regulations to do all we can to flatten this curve and uh, our mayor has taken a really solid leadership role on here i've been really impressed with him and uh, more than anything else i just I, i've really enjoyed uh and 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 been encouraged by the response of fellow calgarians keeping distance while out social distancing the proper way staying in when they can being respectful uh i just think it's a, a really good example of what an incredible city we live in speaking of which you want an incredible Calgarian? 
well, an adopted Calgarian. Uh, he's an Ontario guy originally, but we call him one of our own now. Colin Patterson won the Stanley Cup in 1989 with the Calgary Flames. We're in the sports apocalypse, so we're telling stories as much as we possibly can. Patter joined Pinder and I earlier today. Some 1989 Cup memories. Lube, Kent Nielsen thoughts, the party, Lanny McDonald, and a whole lot more. Here's Colin Patterson with Pinder and I earlier today. Patter, I don't know how much you've been around the TV of late. On Sportsnet, they've been airing all kinds of classic Blue Jays games, hockey games, and some ragtag crew of uh, Calgary Flames in 1989. Have you have you caught Game 6 in the forum on TV of late? I haven't caught it, but anytime it's on, I get a bunch of emails and texts. You know, I think the best one I got was, hey, did you know you scored in that game? And, you know, surprisingly, yeah, I did. I did know that. <laughs> you hadn't forgot, eh? I hadn't forgot, yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how much people are watching it. I, I, I'm, I, I'm impressed by the, the hockey fans out there, how they just they still love watching the game, whether it's old games or, you know, uh, games that have just been played recently. They, they just crave hockey. We don't want to make you feel old, even though we know your 60th birthday is coming up in like a month here. But uh, thanks for that reminder too. Yeah, appreciate that. Uh, hopefully, we got the. Uh, what do you? I guess before we get too far, would you prefer that? You know, social isolation and distancing is still happening, so that you don't uh, get sucked into some massive hangover for your 60th or would you like that the, the the dust is settled on the pandemic and you can celebrate your 60th which is the preferred outcome here well i think the preferred outcome would be um it's still on and nobody knows about it because <laughs> and then i can yeah but now that's gone so <laughs> regardless either way it'll probably be a massive hangover um not to, so a, when... not to a mike commodore level but just you know. right <laughs> maybe maybe a seven on the Commodore level. That's still high. It's still That's, high. Uh, not small. <laughs> uh, Patter, in 1989, I think I would have been seven. Pat would have been younger than that. So my memories of that run weren't with live viewings, but with this VHS cassette that came out called A Sea of Champions. And the C, of course, is the Flames logo. And you got to revisit each series with interviews with the players along the way. And, of course, Terry Crisp's commentary is in there throughout it. You get the play-by-play of the big parts of the games. But to actually watch the bulk of that Game 6 in Montreal, I mean, that looks like a different sport than the one that Pat and I go and see at the Scotiabank Saddledome dozens of times a year. Yeah, it's different. I always say, you know, I played the game when every play would be a penalty in today's game. I mean, yeah. the hooking and holding. and uh, Especially even some you. Oh yeah, I was just, it was my game, hack and whack and hook and hold. You know, if if, if they took that away back then, I wouldn't have played. <laughs> Goodness. So, the play that did it for me was you you guys get up 2-1 and then 3-1 and it's like, okay, the there's the end of the road is in sight. The finish line is near. You're in the third period, halfway through the third. Claude Lemieux literally comes around the net and mugs Mike Vernon as a point shot is being taken and Vernon's furious, but they don't even think about waving that thing off. He literally got mugged in front by Lemieux. I know it was crazy. And there's nothing you could do because if you went after Lemieux, you knew we were getting a penalty too. And it was, yeah, that was the most bizarre. And I think that's, 
thank goodness in the game today that that has gone away uh, because that should have never happened. I mean, that goal should have never been allowed. And then all of a sudden, you're right. You know, all of a sudden, it's a 3-2 game again. In their barn, fans are back into it. And then yeah. less, less than five minutes after that, they're called for an offside. And Lemieux just pretends he doesn't hear the whistle and steamrolls Vernon again. I'm like, what is this? Is this American Gladiators? <laughs> oh, old-time hockey. Love it. <laughs> Uh, Colin Patterson joining us from the 1989 Flames here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, Patter, what do you remember about that series? Uh, You know, I mean, we were two evenly matched teams. Uh, We could play either way, you know, the skating, you know, skill or toughness, whatever we wanted. And and that was the best thing. We had the two top teams in the league. We were, I think we ended up tied for points or maybe we were a point ahead of them in the President's Cup trophy race, but we ended up winning the President's Cup that year, President's Trophy. And so it was It was a great, and it was a great rematch of 1986, because in 1986, lots of things happened that, you know, we probably didn't put our best foot forward. And, you know, it was our first time as the majority of guys and as a franchise to the finals in 86. So we got back in 89. Um, things were a lot different. We were a little more poised. We were ready for it. And um, there was just, you know, a lot of pivotal moments, uh, you know, thinking of, you know, bad calls. There was, a, I think, in game four in the Montreal four, I think it was, yeah, game four, um, in overtime, in double overtime, Mark Hunter gets a penalty for boarding against Shane Corson, which it was just a horrible call. And, you know, they didn't score on that, but like 10 seconds after that penalty was over, uh, Montreal scored and won that game. And that was, you know, one of those moments where uh, you said, eh, not everything's, you know, for us, not everybody's for us, but um, we've got to battle all the elements. And, you know, the Montreal Forum with the great history they have there, the, the team, you know, I mean, a lot of people were Montreal fans versus Calgary fans and in Canada because they'd grown up watching more Montreal than and obviously Calgary, but yeah, it was uh, it was a great series, and you know, lots of great memories from it. Patter, when you go back to when you think about Game Six of that series, and you take a look at where your team was at the time, like, did you was there any point in Game Six where you said, okay, this is this is maybe meant to be? Like, was it when Lanny scored to put your group ahead again? Like, is that like one of those moments where you're like, okay, well, Lanny's just scored. He's barely played in this playoff run. This is going to happen for us tonight? Yeah, it did feel that way, Pat. I go, um, there was a bunch of things that you sort of go, like for me personally, Lanny and I were, you know, the Montreal farm, like the dressing rooms were really small. We had two dressing rooms, and um, Lanny and I were in one corner, and I remember him looking at me and, you know, I said, geez, I'd love to score, and I can go into a bit of a story on that. But, you know, and he looked at me and he said, you know, hey, I got my first goal ever here. I'd love to get my last one here, which, you know, one was sort of, hey, you know, when winning the cup, but also maybe his career might be coming to an end. You know, he might retire. And that was very interesting. And, you know, when he did score, and that is unbelievable. You know, he gets a penalty, gets out of the penalty box, and you got you know, Lube and Neuendijk and Lanny racing up the ice and just tic-tac-toe and, and just a, you know, a vintage Lanny goal, you know, snapper top shelf on Patrick Waugh. And that, you know, then, you know, we were sort of looking at, everybody was looking at each other, this has got to be it. But you still had, you know, half a game to play. And when when you get into that, you know, you, you hate to say it, but sometimes you're counting down the minutes. Okay, let's just get out, you know, get this shift over with, see where we're sitting after that. And, 
you know, then penalties happen. And then, as you said, we got up 3-1, and we thought, this is it for sure. And then, you know, they, they get that goal. Rick Green takes that shot from the point. As, as uh, Ryan was mentioning, you know, that, you know, Lemieux trips Bernie and nothing happens and you're going, oh man, you know, is this going to be it again? But, uh, you know, we kept battling through and you just, you just felt that it was our time. Well, and I mean, you take a look at, cause you broke in, you broke in with the flames 1983, right? That's, that was yes. your first year with yeah. the group. So yeah. that would have been, there, there was a lot of high end talent on that team that you broke in with and some playoff disappointments along the way. You know, you, you'd kind of, you'd worked your way through the battles and the disappointments against the Oilers or the 86 cup against the Habs. Like that had to feel for that group that had been together for five, six years. Like, it had to feel like finally we've accomplished what we had set out to be striving for, for so long here. Yeah. And it was so true because I mean, it, it's one thing I think, you know, I've, not that I've experienced it, but if you get traded to a team and they win the cup that year, that's, you know, it's different than when you've been with a team for a long time. You've seen it grow. You know, the the guys that you played with, as you said, you know, five, six years. And, and you know, as you finish your career, maybe seven or eight years, you've been with the, that same bulk of players. And it's really neat to see the growth. And as I said, in 86, we thought we were going to, we, we could have won. We thought we'd be back in 87, 88. And then you realize in 89 how special it is to, to get a chance to get back and then to win um, is is amazing. And, you know, as your career wraps up, too, you you look at it and you go, hey, we should have won more than one. We should have probably won two or three, maybe, you know, maybe three, maybe four, who knows. But, it you know, you realize how fortunate and how lucky you are to be on a team that won and to be with the guys you were with and the camaraderie that you have with those guys and, and the relationships and the friendships you have for life with them. So we know that, you know, at the end of Lanny's career in 1989, here was a guy that, you know, knew that maybe the end was coming. And, you know, he was not a a regular player the same way he was early in your career. But tell us about Lanny McDonald in the early stages of his time with the Calgary Flames when you were a young buck breaking into the league. Tell us about Lanny McDonald then. Well, hopefully he's not listening because he'll get a big head. But uh, he was the greatest (laughs) guy, and he still is. You know, he's one of those guys that, I always say the story that my first training camp, I came to Calgary and the Calgary Flames were uh, well known for their uh, celebrity and charity golf tournament that they had. And it was the biggest probably in maybe, you know, in Canada for sure, maybe one of the bigger ones in North America for charity status. And I remember they invited me to the tournament and you got to the to the meeting beforehand and I didn't really know anybody and the first guy to come up and introduce himself to me is a guy who doesn't need to be introduced to anybody is Lanny McDonald you know saying hey you know I'm Lanny McDonald and welcome to the organization and you know all those great things that that Lanny is that that's you know that really strikes to me that's that's the type of guy he was he was a competitor he was uh, a hard worker um, he was, he had talent. He was, a, you know, and he was a great captain, great leader. If there was somebody who, who was in trouble or, you know, wasn't feeling right, he'd be the guy to help. You know, he made sure all the, all the young guys, you know, had a place to go for, you know, whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter. Um, he always made sure that uh, people were looked after and part included as part of the group. Just one of the greatest guys you'll meet in the game. 
What about on the ice? What uh... on, on the ice? He was a fierce competitor. I yeah. mean, he was. I you know I remember there was lots of things that you know you can say about Lanny on scoring goals and that, but we were just talking about uh, you know in that playoff run we when we played L.A. There was a fight that happened and Lanny ended up fighting this guy Jim Weimer who's like Jim Weimer's got to be like six three or six four, and Lanny fought him and it was one of the greatest you know. At the time, it was such a, a, a you know pivotal moment in the game, but also in the series too. Saying, "Hey, you know what? We're not going to back down." And Lanning was the guy leading the way, and he was our oldest guy in the team. You know, he shouldn't probably shouldn't have been fighting, but he was. And that's the type of guy he was. He gave everything he had. He was a, a fierce competitor. Okay, now I know that. Kent Nielsen did not win the cup with the group, um, but you played with him when you first started, and you also played with Hoke and Lube. So you got two pretty high-end Swedes to be playing with when, you know, at that time it was still pretty new having European players play in the NHL. Tell us about the two Swedes. Uh, you don't have to tell us who is better, but tell us about Kent Nielsen, the magic man, and tell us about still the only Swede to score 50 in an NHL season, Hoke and Lube. Well, uh, let's start with Kent. Uh, you know, Kent Nielsen was an unbelievable talent. He was just like his hands were, you know, I mean, he could stick in, he could shoot. He was, and he saw the game very well, but he was arguably one of the most talented players, probably the most talented player I ever played with. Um, you know, he could skate, like, in, but he was just nonchalant about it. it. It just, you know, he had a natural talent, but, you know, he he also worked on a lot of little things that, you know, maybe I, I probably wouldn't think about, you know, probably saucering the puck might be one of them. <laughs> but he was always he was always really good. You know, he could, I mean, the big thing about him is people talk about him, you know, going to the center line, center ice, and, you know, shooting three pucks off a crossbar because somebody asked him to. Well, he could do that, you know, anytime on a regular basis. And he was uh, just a, quite an amazing talent. Uh, Hulk and Lube was, you know, we broke in together in, in 83 and he was, you know, back in those days, as you mentioned, Pat, you know, there weren't a lot of European players and a lot of times they'd take, you know, probably a little more abuse than, you know, the North American players, but Luber wasn't a big guy. He was a fabulous skater and he was a gamer. Like he'd be in there. He was a tough little guy. And I think that's where, where people got mixed up, you know, that, Hey, he isn't that tough. He is tough. He was, you know, he and Matt Snazlin were, you know, really tough little guys. And, uh, you know, they, they played the game well. They were competitors and they, they had, uh, you know, Luber was unreal as a, as a teammate too. Um, he was a guy who always made sure, you know, if we had team events, he was there. Um, you know, they were part of the team. He had, you know, young son at the time, uh, Henrik, who, you know, and his his wife, uh, Marie, you know, so he, he made a big commitment coming over. And, you know, you, you don't forget stuff like that. And I, and he spoke English very well. But I go, you're you're in a new environment. You know, it's, um, you know, a lot of things that are different, you know, than than the homeland. And But he, he got right into it. And he was just one of the great guys. I think when you look back at, you know, when, uh, after we won the cup and, you know, he left and we had a few changes in the team. Um, you know, he was one guy that I, I don't think people give enough credit to that when he left, we, it was a big void and he was just hitting the, the prime of his career too. And he went home and, mm-hmm. you know, for family reasons and, you know, we respect that, but we, we certainly missed him. And, 
you know, when we see him or talk to him, you know, these days he's still the same guy. And he's one of those guys who's like Joel Otto, you know, look the same as they did when they played. And <laughs> Yeah, it's true. He's a he's a good friend of the the station. He one time out of the blue just called overtime the call-in show, uh, and I at first I didn't believe him until you're like, okay, no, that's actually him. Um, and uh, he's he's turned into a really good friend of the station, and now obviously with the Flame scouting staff. But did you did you give him a hard time at the time about the helmet, or is that only something you make fun of him about now? Well, you know what I mean. I think. Uh... You could make fun of everybody's helmet back in that day, <laughs> but it was pretty funny. And I remember Badger Bob put Luber's helmet on for this. We had an optional skate one day, which when you say optional skate, it meant uh, the better players didn't have to go on. The slugs had to go on. And Badger decided he was going to go on, and but he couldn't find a helmet. And so he put Luber's on and that bucket and, you know, he had that shield on and it, it just sort of hit the end of Badger's nose. It was one of the funniest things I've seen. But, yeah, Luber's helmet was, I mean, there was a ton of classic helmets there. But, uh, yeah, the Jofa, the Jofa ones were quite something. Yeah, those were, those were interesting lids. Hey, tell it, can you tell the story about after you won in 1989? And if, if, I've, if I remember correctly, you'd obviously have a better memory of it. But if I remember correctly, you guys ran out of beer on the plane. Is that is that the way it went? And then you had to go get somebody to go fill you up for the plane ride home? <laughs> yeah, there was uh, lots of things happened on that trip. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, when we, by the time we got out of the dressing room and we got on the plane, and uh, they stopped the bus on the way there to, to get more beer because we had already gone through a ton of beer that, you know, we thought we'd have for the plane. And then on the plane ride, we actually, we ended up running out of beer and, you know, getting into the hard alcohol. And it was, uh, it was an unbelievable time. And I, I just remember the euphoria on the plane because the guys, uh, they you know brought the cup onto the plane like they put it underneath and and al murray was our one of our trainers at the time said you know i can get some wire cutters and cut the bolts and we can get the the cup on the plane so uh lanny and a few of the guys took it and they put it in the one of the washrooms in the back said you know out of order and then when we took off they went back and they got the cup out and we had the cup on the airplane and it was like it was just you know unique moments like that that really sit back with you. And I remember you know myself, Lanny, and Joel Otto. I have this great picture of the three of us, just an impromptu photo of us with the cup on the plane, and it was just really special. And you, you don't forget stuff like that. And it was really neat because the Flames had brought the wives out um, to watch the game. And then on the way home, all the wives were there. Unfortunately, my wife wasn't there because we just had a baby at the time. And, you know, we talked about, you know, hey, you know, should should you come with the baby? And I go, well, if we don't win and, you know, her daughter isn't good on the plane, uh, there'll be some unhappy guys. But, I, you know, I, I wish, you know, my wife could have been on the plane with our daughter. But it, it is, you know, I mean, that was the neat things that the Flames did back in the day when other teams were not doing stuff like that. Yeah. Colin Patterson, 1989 Stanley Cup champion with us on Pinder and Steinberg this afternoon. Patter, I'm doing a little research here. Correct me if I'm wrong. Thursday night in Montreal is the the first time ever the Cup's awarded to a team not based in Montreal in that building. An incredible achievement from you guys. But my math would suggest you get home to Calgary in the wee hours on Friday morning. 
what did that weekend look like? And what was the uh, the welcoming party like? And what time of the day did you land? Well, we landed, I think, at about 5.30 in the morning. I remember we went down to Honey's Pizza. And there was, there was, there was people there. We were, you know... I think it was one of the few times we chartered. So we landed in a little bit of a different spot than we normally do. But there were people there to, you know, cheer us off the plane. And we everybody went to Honey's Pizza. That uh, was downtown. It was at 10th and I think 3rd or 4th. And we went there. It was about 5.30 or 6 in the morning. And it was like it was just the guys and a few other people that had, had stayed, you know, had been there at Honey's. And we just had a great time. I remember my wife came to pick myself and Rob Ramage and Dana Merson up and it was about 10 in the morning and still people were honking their horns. And then that night we went to Lanny's and, you know, uh, had the cup there and it was just, it went for like three or four days for sure that, you know, we were going out to Lanny's having these parties and, you know, there was a, a group at the time called the Sail Cats. They came out and played for us and it was just nonstop. It, it just special moments. But I remember, you know, getting, a, I had the music going at home and, you know, pounding away and, you know, I had a couple of beer going and, and all of a sudden I just hit the wall and I was done. I was like, you know, I, I had to shut her down. It was, uh, it was a little too much after about four days. <laughs> Incredible stuff. Just awesome. I uh, do appreciate the storytelling. Uh, before we let you go, uh, what's the latest with the Flames alumni? You play a big role, as so many of uh, that 89 crew do, and numerous other former NHLers and the great work you do in the community. What uh, What does your schedule look like with this uncertainty moving forward? Well, it's, you know, a lot of events have been canceled. And, you know, our alumni does a ton of events, probably about 200 a year, you know, spread throughout all our, our guys. And, you know, those are different events, not, not events where we're all at. And a lot of events have been canceled, you know, from obviously from about a week and a half ago, all the way up till basically July now. People are starting to cancel events. I feel, feel really bad for the charities that are out there that, that want to get something going and, you know, are, are counting on, you know, people donating and, and events like golf tournaments or, you know, hockey tournaments or banquets. All those things have been postponed. So it's been tough, but, uh, you know, our, our alumni is continuing on with a, with a bunch of different things on the social media front, John, you know, Instagram, on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, so we've got actually right now, you know, we ask people, you know, what questions do you have? And one of them was, you know, can you talk about a tough guy story? And so we've had a few guys talk about the tough guy stories. And if people are on, you got to go on and see the Steve Bozak one that will be coming up. I think today it's, it's hilarious. And then, you know, there's other people asking, you know, what are your first goals like? So we're getting a few of the guys to do one of each question and, uh, that'll be good to keep us going, but you know, we keep in touch. We've got uh, still a bunch of things that we're working on for later on. We're looking at potentially, you know, we're going to do our first hockey school. We hope um, as alumni, but uh, you know, as long as things go correctly, uh, that that'll continue on. So there's, there's a bunch of work you're doing on that. We're still looking, you know, our golf tournament, um, the masters will be our 26th year. Um, that's in late May. But you're going, you know, well, you know, at some point, we might, you know, there might have to be a call on that. So there's lots of things that you're looking at that you're going, oh, hopefully this you know, will, will be done by then. But who knows? It's a crazy world out there right now. 
It's Colin Patterson, 1989 Stanley Cup champion with us earlier today, Mr. Pinder. Uh, tough to beat stories like that from a guy like Patter, hey? Gosh, he's a beauty. I love it. Like, And just you get to meet a lot of these 89 and 04 guys, a ton, especially the 89 guys because they're so active. And as we always hear, it's the teams that win, that stay together, that have that bond, that are more likely to decide to live in the community where that special event took place. And that group, they are so tight, so fun. You see them around town, and just anytime you get a chance to to pick his brain or let him spin a little yarn, don't 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 uh, miss that opportunity. He, he is one of the gems. He joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The bar may be closed to patrons during these trying times, but they are open for business. Pickup delivery available. Call 403-248-3344. That's 248-3344. This is some of our worst timing in the history of our time together. A couple of quick segments as we wrap up the sports drive at 5, going towards the top of the hour at 6 o'clock. Flames and Bruins from February 25th of this year. Really impressive performance by Calgary on the road in Boston. Sports Drive at 5 with Pinder and Steinberg. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Sports Drive at 5, brought to you by Pete the Plumber, the superheroes of plumbing and heating. Call 403-257-1766 or find them at PeteThePlumber.com for all your plumbing and heating needs. Sports Drive at 5 rolls on as we continue to kick around some new beds. Pat, uh, no complaints thus far. I've enjoyed the, the new tunes We've literally talked about it for like six to eight months, and we finally freshened them up with thanks to uh, Logan Gordon back at our basement system downtown studios. Is this, this is, is this is the remix of all of the lights that I threw at you, Logo? Sounds like it. No, this is just straight I up think it is. Uh, all the lights. I couldn't quite. I was this trying is to just find all that the lights. It... That you had okay. mentioned to me, Pat, but uh, I ran out of time this afternoon. Okay. It's a good one. It's a good uh, Nitty Native does a uh, does a cool little remix of All of the Lights. Um, I actually picked it up at a show I was at a number of, number of months ago. They played it uh, at one of the shows I was at. I was like, what is this? You do the Shazam, you're like, this is dope. Um, anywho, uh, yeah, we've done we've had some good success with some of our new music today. I like it. You know, we've got, like, what else do we have to do? We're in pandemic radio. We might as well start playing with the music a little bit. We've had it, we've had it the same since September 2018. It was probably a time for a <laughs> bit of a change. That feels like a decade ago, Pat. Uh, don't know why that is, but yeah. Got some Not going to lie, sure. the last Flames game, which was this month, feels like a decade ago. Yes, there was uh, this last month is a decade, and then the prior 10 years, that feels like about the same amount of time. <laughs> uh, what are some other ones we kicked around today, Logan? You've got the, the homework sheet in front of you. You were kind enough to uh, plant the seed this morning and have been busy well, uh, cutting and pasting and snipping away and creating some new uh, beds to come out of break from. Um, hit us with what, what you've played so far today. Give us like you can you can hit them on the air. Like what? Why yeah, not? sure. So yeah. we now I had to disagree with Pat on one earlier because I liked Rye. Um, I I put Otis in there to start because I just thought it was a strong bed, and you wanted me to kind of cue it a little bit later. But I'm with Rye. I like the start of this, like the build to it. it's a good one for me. It's, it's just that by the time we're strong. into the. By the time that we're into the segment, like the the good part's already gone. So this is kind of like a, like we're already welcome back to the program, and then like 
I just feel like you need to get the beat to start, and we're like talking about a 35-second build to the actual uh, bass kicking in. That's the only reason. I love the song, but we got to count. We can't wait 35 seconds to get into it. You know what I'm saying? Pick it up here. We're still maybe. waiting. Right the we're drops. still that waiting. Would be where you still can start it. Yeah. So if you started right about there, and now. Yeah, I'm with you. That's good. Because this has to be up. front and center while we're talking, and by the time we're already into the segment, the music's faded down. So that's why I think you got to cue it up a little later into the song. That's all. I like the choice. It's a great choice of song. We'll keep uh, toying with that next week, and I, I, we can move along here. I've got some uh, some PVR work done over the while well, we were listening to that replay of Colin Patterson, who joined us at 3 o'clock uh, this afternoon. I don't know uh, if everyone else has been on top of this or not, but this, these classic rewinds, be it NHL, Major League Baseball, Blue Jays, Flames, whatever, like there's a ton of amazing content. So tonight on your radio, we'll do Flames Bruins, which, Patty, you've made the case could be their most complete game of the season that kicked off, or I guess was the second game of that uh, road trip, the five-gamer that was a big one and uh, really stabilizing and holding form despite – some injuries mm-hmm. mounting up on the blue line. Uh, we'll be airing that on the air. Our airwaves tonight starting at 6 o'clock in 12 minutes. On TV tonight at 8 o'clock, Gretzky's 50-39 and 39 game with the Oilers against the Flyers. That's incredible. And if you're not going to be up but you want to have some content ready to rock for tomorrow, you can PVR the August 2nd, 2015 brawl between the Blue Jays and the Royals. And that'll be ready for you by tomorrow morning. It's also going to run tomorrow uh, during the day as well also uh 1989 stanley cup game six is on sportsnet one in the the wee hours tonight that you can record there's a 30th anniversary flames uh stanley cup champion show that's a half hour that's going to air in the middle of the night tonight and i'm super keen on the baseball game that they're going to be airing uh tomorrow as well as i believe uh they get another blue jays classic and they're kind of walking their way through the world series it'll be uh, another Toronto-Atlanta game, I think, from uh, the World Series. What, it would it be game six in 1992 when they won? They've been playing a bunch from the series, so I I, I, I don't know. I just saw Blue Jays from uh, playoffs, and, and there we go. Also, we should remind you that uh, it is Raptors replay, alternating nights between TSN and Sportsnet. The Philadelphia game seven with the Kawhi shot that shocked the world, the three bounce off the rim before it went in buzzer beater that's going to air on uh, March 31st, which means tonight. And in fact, in 10 minutes, they're going to start uh, game three against the 76ers. That series was awesome. And uh, I, I guess if, even if you're not busy this area, if, you, if you're not able to watch tonight, like I just cleared out the PVR and loaded up. We're going to have lots of good stuff to hold in the archives for a while. And you should mention really the only two. thing you can do in sports Go ahead. Sorry, Logo. No, and I just wanted to mention this guy. I mentioned this to Pat earlier. I don't know if you heard, Rye, but uh, Game 7 from the Flames 04 playoff run against the Vancouver Canucks going to be airing on Sportsnet West Saturday at 5 o'clock Calgary time. That's right. Uh, they're airing yes. a bunch of different playoff games Saturday night, including uh, 1991 Stanley Cup playoffs between the Oilers and Flames Game 6 and oh, the man. nightcap Vancouver-Chicago Western Conference Final uh, oh, game man. seven in 2011. Yeah, and that was obviously the crazy game where they finally slayed the dragon, which I believe was the goal call, and the Canucks got over the hump against the Blackhawks. It's essentially going to be a best of for Hockey Night in Canada. That will not be bad at all. 
Well, and we've got next week on your radio. We've got to get to break here. But next week on your radio, we've got one, two, two games from 1989. Uh, the Theo Fleury sliding across the ice game from 1991 against the Oilers. Uh, we've got Game 7, Canucks-Vancouver from 04. And uh, the Steve Smith off of the goalie and in in 1986, oh. Game 7 versus the Flames. Perry Berezan's, uh most important goal. We'll have Perry on on Friday of next week to talk about that. But uh, those are the games that we've got next week on your radio. Two from 89, one from 86, one from 91, and one from 04. That'll be a ton of fun. I also have got the, the Matt Stajan game for, that as you alluded to, Logan. That's locked in for the PVR tomorrow, too. Uh, one of my twins is obsessed with hockey right now, and I think it has to do with numbers. He loves numbers. He wants to yell the score. Daddy, here's the score. Daddy, it's still one nothing. It's one nothing. Daddy, Daddy, it's Flames. one nothing on Flames Ice. Okay, thank you. Yes, good, good. Thank you. So he's going to have some new content to work through, and that's going to be a fun one with the, the major uh, momentum swing in that game that we'll watch tomorrow night. Let's get to break. It's Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sports Drive at 5, brought to you by Pete the Plumber, the superheroes of plumbing and heating. Call 403-257-1766 or find them at PeteThePlumber.com for all your plumbing and heating needs. Okay, wrapping up the program on this Friday afternoon. We're just minutes away from taking you back to Boston, February 25th of this season. Bruins Flames in one of the best games all year from the Calgary Flames. They'd win this one. was uh, really a game where you could kind of come away saying when they play the way they're capable of, that is the type of effort they can put on the table. It's Pat Steinberg and Ryan Pinder along with you. Okay, right. so what is uh, on the docket for your quarantine pandemic weekend uh what do you have set to go this weekend well we're going to continue to watch uh, tiger king we got through episode one with uh my wife last night we've both been uh, wildly entertained understanding that there's massive plot twists and cliffhangers ahead uh so that will be on the docket when uh the the, the wee criminals are put to bed but uh, it's it's a lot of uh coloring it's a lot of uh, animal sketching and putting on the windows. It's going to be a lot of bike rides if the weather stays like it is. Uh, the, I've never respected uh, child care and, uh, I guess, daycare, school, elementary school teachers more. <laughs> this has been uh, uh, a war against boredom, and uh, the cooped-up hyenas need to be run like hounds. So I think that what I know for sure, I'm um, going to try and get a couple runs in, get my workouts in. Uh, that's important. I am going to start the Tiger King. I will keep you abreast of my progress. We can reconvene on Monday and talk about where we are. Other things on the table. I'm going to try the Facebook Messenger group chat um, and do the uh, do have a couple of social drinks with some friends that I haven't been able to see during this. Oh. So we're going to try that. Yeah tonight at about eight o'clock and then at nine o'clock this is uh the super nerd coming out in steinberg but uh my brother has set up a way for me his fiance uh and her brother and myself to all of us play settlers of Catan online yes so we're gonna yes. try a game of settlers yes. at nine o'clock so from the social drinks oh. to settlers i'm gonna be pretty drunk by about 11 o'clock that is the plan tonight so i'm excited to see how it all goes Quite excited to see how this online Settlers of Catan works out. 
There is nothing more contentious in the Pinder extended family than Settlers of Catan. We have two massive fans and three to four haters, which means all we do is talk about it, it gets rejected, and then we fight about whether we should play Catan or not rather than fighting while we play Catan. Uh, welcome to the Pinder family. Sounds about right. I'm um, yeah. I'm a big fan of the longest road. I always go right for the longest road, so we'll see if That's I can... a waste of time get that done if you have if you've got the ability then you can do it i always have the ore shortage i can't get the ore that i need and uh that that really bothers me uh okay on the weekend there's pat steinberg thank you to logo uh for coming in all week and doing the show from the studio thank you pal great work um enjoy your weekend friends uh we're still gonna be here on monday we're probably still going to be talking about nothing, but uh, we will talk to you on Monday. Mr. Pinder, have yourself a wonderful weekend. You too. Thanks, guys. Flames coming up next from Boston. It's a replay of one of the best games of the year. Coming up next on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.